This is an explicit podcast. Welcome to Notorious AOS, an Age of Sigma podcast with match play focus, coming to you from New Zealand. I am your host, Big Sean, and I'm joined by my co-host, Little Sean. How you going, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, that's 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 what we like to hear. Recording this on a Friday night, guys, um, so it might be a bit loose, might be a bit sloppy. We do have some drinks in hand. Uh, I myself am doing some gins after I just smashed down a double down, so, you know, just got, got the meal and drink of champions going on right here. Um, you got anything on the table, Sean? Yeah, mate, I'm just sipping on my honey. Honey, nice and quietly <laughs> over here. <laughs> Your honeys. Oh, that's, that's, that's so gross. That's so gross. Uh, in this episode, guys, we're going to recap uh, Nikon, which was the tournament that me and Sean spoke about on the first uh, podcast. And because we're covering a tournament and we wanted to spotlight the New Zealand scene a bit more, we decided to get on um, a guest who also came on, uh, who also came to the tournament, so we can hear about his perspective and um, and who he is. So tonight we have Lee joining us. How's it going, Lee? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Yourselves? Yeah, good, bud. Good. Uh, so, uh, I've Lee? Uh, got a drink of tea with me. Uh, a drink of tea. That's very English of you. You're, you're charming up the show real proper now. Um, so, as you can hear, Lee's, Lee's an expat, uh, lives in, in Wellington. Uh, so, which is, which is near, where, well, same city as where I live. Uh, so Lee's one of our sort of tournament regulars, um, regular player, um, and thought we'd have him on the show. So in saying that, Lee, do you just want to give us a, a quick sort of background overview of your sort of gaming? Uh, you know, how long you've been doing hobby? Do you like to hobby? Do you like to, to match play? What, what are you, what are you all about? Nothing too serious, just a sort of quick background check. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so I suppose I'm a bit different to most. I never played any kind of war game until about three years ago. Um, I was around a mate's house and he left his models on the table. So I started giving him a load of crap. And then a few days later, I was just looking across the internet and I come across, like this was at the end times when people were losing their crap. And it just become a bit of a spectator sport for me. And then when Age of Sigmar came out, I just started getting a few models off the internet like everyone does. And then when Sylvaneth came out, I um, quite heavily into them. Um, I play mainly tournaments, I suppose. But it turns out I like the hobby aspect a lot more than I thought I would. So, you know, if I can paint something brown and green, I will. And that's pretty much me. Yeah, fantastic. I think the first time we met Lee was when I was running Valleycon uh, last year, and you just sent me a message saying, you know, I want to come along, want to see what it's about, and, and go from there. I think you're sort of like myself, where... Um, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but you listen to quite a few podcasts, um, like sort of Black Sun and Face Hammer, and you heard about these guys sort of, um, you know, going to tournaments, having a good time, having some drinks, bit of social, and um, and I, may, I might be putting words in your mouth here. I'm not too sure. This is sort of uh, this is definitely relevant for myself. Yeah, sort of. I, I enjoy the competitive aspect of of the game. Uh, not not out to smash face or win every game, but I quite like. Um, the competitive nature I want to do well. I uh, don't mind losing as long as it's been, you know, the old thing of a good game and um, 
yeah, no one's been too much of a dick. So yeah, so but yeah, it's been really good. And um, like I say, my wife has gone from me never mentioning wargaming at all to I've taken over two rooms in the house with it. So pretty much all in now, I suppose. Balls deep in the hobby, yeah. That's that's what we like to hear, mate. That's what we like. I put to it hear. a bit different, but you know, let's just be <laughs> <laughs> a bit more proper. Yeah, sound like that. All right, all right. So the next bit of um next bit of uh topic we want to talk about is um this whole big Sean versus little Sean sort of thing. Uh, I had a couple of questions as to why we're big Sean and little Sean. Um, simply a way to differentiate ourselves, I guess you would say. Um. We're both called Sean. We both spell our name the exact same way. Um, little Sean isn't really little. I mean, he might be like 5'10", but he's probably like 120 kilos of muscle. Um, he's, he looks like a bodybuilder, whereas I'm the typical war gamer where I'm a white male in my late 20s, and I'm overweight, um, and I'm, I'm tall, I guess, 6'3", 6'4". Uh, so another way to address us, I guess, is you could call me the meta. You know, I fit the profile <laughs> of a war gamer, white, overweight. Um, where Sean is the anti-meter, where he is he is white, but he's also um, very in shape and has lots of hobbies that don't involve pushing miniatures around and so on. Um, but after this last weekend, yeah, let's just, that let's title just confuse might have the fuck out of everyone at the stage. <laughs> Your little Sean now, until you beat me, we're gonna have, we're gonna have to switch yeah. around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you could, or you could, yeah. <laughs> or you could call me monotone, Sean, if you like. I'm I'm not too fast, eh? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. staying out of this conversation totally. Um. <laughs> oh, you had a few good suggestions last weekend, mate. I tell you, um, don't know if you remember any of them, but that's that's all good. Um, so let's get to the the meat and potatoes of why we're here. So, as I said, the intent of the podcast is to spotlight New Zealand and what's going on in Age of Sigma in New Zealand. Uh, so. Uh, just recently, uh, the weekend just gone. So as I said, it's Friday now. So, uh, five, six days ago, uh, all three of us traveled to Napier, um, which hosted Nikon, which, uh, just a quick overview again is a, is a convention of sorts. Uh, not like these American ones where you have, you know, um, sellers come in trying to flog their wares, but it's a convention in the sense that there's seven or eight different game systems being played. Um, and it's run by an individual that was in a school hall. Um, proud to report Age of Sigma had the biggest turnout, which was rather surprising because no one in Napier plays Age of Sigma. So we all had to travel, um, travel to Napier to sort of put our best foot forward and promote the hobby and try to get people on board. There is a few people in, in Napier that do play Ninth Age, um, and the sort of this, holding on to the end world, uh, the, the old. I think there's been a few, um, slowly popping we showed up them on the, that. the Age of Sorry? Sigma page from Napier, which is good. Didn't see any on the weekend though, did you? Did you? Yeah, well, no, no, I didn't, I didn't. And what Sean says is when he refers to the page, he means the Facebook page is Age of Sigma New Zealand. Um, and that's where I guess you would say the pulse of the community is at in New Zealand. That's where we do a lot of, it's actually called Age of Sigma New Zealand community. Uh, it's where we do a lot of our hobby chat. Um, it's where most people are. There's about five, six hundred people on the page. It's pretty active. There's daily posts of all sorts. Um, so the New Zealand players don't have a big hobby presence. Um, and saying that there is some, like, like Mr. Shorts and Tron Hammer, um, and myself where I can. Um, but other than that, for the most part, if you want to know what's going on in, in New Zealand for Age of Sigma, 
you would go to the Age of Sigma New Zealand Community Facebook page. It's a closed group, so if you want to join, you have to just put in a request. And as long as you're not some sort of Russian bot, um, we accept you. Um, so, sorry, that's a bit of a ramble. So we all went to Nikon. Uh, so just a quick recap, five rounds, 2,000 points over two days. Uh, it was open war cards, which were done prior to the event. Uh, so we talked about them in the first, first podcast. So if you want to find out a bit more detail about the missions, uh, check out the first podcast and then come listen to this. Although we will inevitably talk about the sort of mission types, um, given you know their sort of quirky deployments and rules that were a bit different. Um, other than that, what was your guys' sort of impression before we kick into it? What was your impression of the open war cards? What was your feel for it? Would you do it again? Sort of, how did, how did you take to it or did you not, did you not like it? I've got some thoughts of my own, but I thought I'd give you guys the opportunity to say something before I just ramble on for the next two hours. Uh, I'll, I suppose I'll go first. Um, I really liked it. Um, I thought it made tournament a lot more open than usual um i think we're you know there's 12 of us in the field and i think the open war cards meant that all 12 could still be in it in day two it did make the missions a bit more quirky but um i don't know maybe it's because i play a, a movement army anyway I, I i didn't actually think that it was too bad and yeah i was i thought it was, i thought it was going to be a good tournament and it turned out to be a really good one yeah i think i think nick did really well with the um <clears throat> with Nikon as a whole, I think um, all the all the scenarios and uh, twists and stuff are all relatively well balanced and nothing's too silly. Um, there was that one third game I'm sure I'll go into later on that was maybe a little bit too swingy for my my, <laughs> my taste, and I think everybody else um, that's that had the same experience as I did on that third game um, probably agrees with me on that one. But we'll go into that one as we talk about the games. Yeah, so I found the open war cards, the objective was, was good. Um, you know, what you're trying to achieve throughout the mission was, was pretty standard. For the most part, it was capturing an objective, um, mid to late game or, um, scoring over consecutive turns. Uh, but for the most part, the objective play was pretty fine. Um, the deployment types, I didn't really like. I thought they were a bit shit. Um, I thought they, I mean, uh, you, of course, you speak from your personal experience. Um, and my experience is an army that likes to sort of castle up and be on the defensive and synergize up. Um, and some of those missions didn't allow me to do that. And, but to be fair, some of the mission, some of the times it wasn't my mission's fault. It was my fault. Um, which I'll get to in my games where I sort of just sprayed my army across the board and then come turn one. I'm like, Oh fuck, I can't fuck shit up because it's on the other side of the board. And the venue itself, uh, it was a, it was in a, a college or a high school. Um, it was in a hall. Uh, they didn't have the, they had the curtains closed. So every time you went outside, you were sort of blinded by the light. Um, it wasn't overly dark in the hall. Um, it was bloody cold in the mornings. I'll tell you that. There was a little canteen on site though, however, which was really cool. Um, sold really cheap food. Um, you know, like sort of toasty pies and dollar cans of Coke and stuff like that tea and coffee so it was enough to sort of keep you going um i'm always a big fan of having food at the venue doesn't means if you've only got a half hour or less that you don't have to sort of sprint off site to go grab food and refreshments which is which is really really good so i drove up the friday night um as i said it's about a four hour drive in the previous cast uh we had a house together which was really cool so everyone who actually played in the tournament stayed in the same house uh so there was about half of us there the first night and then the other the, t the total 
I guess, troop of everyone was there the second night. Uh, so the first night we just did some painting um, and we did the draw live on Facebook as well. Uh, so Nick, the guy who ran it, um, just decided to do the draw on Facebook. I streamed it on his behalf. Uh, so there's a little video there if you want to watch. I think it's about six, seven minutes long of Nick uh, doing the draw and me being slightly pissed and bantering him and, and the rest of the guys. Um, probably the highlight of the night is um, is our friend Matty B, who's not a big painter. Um, he, he can do it. He definitely has the ability to do it. He's a bit of a perfectionist, but he doesn't really like doing it. Um, we got his army up to, to free color minimum, which is uh, it, around the world. You're probably saying, "Holy shit!" You let people play without grand, without free color min, uh, which yes, yes, we do. Um, unfortunately, the scene's new and it's a bit small to sort of turn away people. Um, but Matty took to it. Um, like a moth to flame, and it was fantastic. Uh, Maddie Watkinson was there helping out, giving pointers and tips, uh, which was fantastic. He was sort of guiding me and Matt uh, to paint some of his his hounds. Can't remember what they're called. Uh, hounds, dolls, which hounds? Dolls. Uh, def, what, are, what are they, Sean? What are those? Die wolves. There you go. I'm completely wrong. So me and him were just doing a quick wash and dry brush. Maddie Watkinson was there chin, uh, cheering us on in the background, which is great fun. I was there a little bit pissed, just... <laughs> laughing that someone was giving me their models to paint. <laughs> I'm not the best painter myself, so I thought that was a bit hilarious, but but yeah. So that was the Friday night. So we stayed up quite late, had some drinks, um, and we had to lick our wounds in the morning, um, which was which was a bit of an experience. I mean, it's what we come to tournaments for, is to, to banter and drink and, and social, which is great. Um, so I guess we'll kick off into the Nikon tournament itself now. So as I said, five rounds, 2,000 points, open, open war. Um, uh, just one, just one last thing, I suppose, about Nikon is that um, it was really nice because it's different to most of the other tournaments that we have. So we get a nice mix. So we got pairs coming up. We have normal standard battle plan missions. We have a sideboard mission in what, November, isn't it? So this one just—it's nice to have a real mixture of different types of um, tournaments. So I think Nick did really well there. Oh, I I agree. I always encourage. Um, people to try new things because I'm a firm believer of um, if you keep doing the same thing, it's only going to cater to a certain type of people and you're only going to see the same faces at events. Um, so I applaud Nick for doing something a bit different. Uh, Tim did did NatCon um, and he also used open war cards. Um, I'm always keen just to roll dice, so I'm not too fussed, but as I said, I thought some of the deployments were a bit stink. Um, but again, I could have, you know, I sort of shot myself in the foot um with some of those deployments so no it was it was really good and we had a everyone who was there was just awesome as well we're probably not most but a good chunk of the core tournament players um and it was really cool to see them out in force and just a good chance to catch up with your mates um do you guys have anything else to add otherwise i'll jump into my round one uh, just to apologise for the noise in the background because my dog morse is tired um, but yeah that's fine. <laughs> okay, well done, Lee. Toys code word for, <laughs> Is toys code word for something? <laughs> no, no, quite literally, toys. Um, <laughs> um, oh, I was just wondering if he's jumped up on the silver there, and he's just. I don't think he's got a safety word with Drooly Dog, that's for sure. But, um... <laughs> just eager. All right, fantastic. So, round one, I played uh, Fraser, uh, Fraser B. I'm not going to say his last name because I don't know if he wants me to put it out on the internet. Um, so for the most, most of the time, I'm just going to refer to the initial of the last name. Uh, so Fraser was running a Maggot Kinder Nurgle army. 
Uh, so I played Frozen at Netcon with, I think, almost the exact same list. Um, and and I knew I was in for a tough time um, as soon as I saw the list. So his list was Glockin, uh, his general. Um, I don't actually have the spells and artifacts here, sorry. Um, so I'll do my best to remember, but I spent most of the weekend drunk or hungover, so that will be a push. Uh, so he's got Glockin, he's got Rockbringer Sorcerer, he's got Rodigus, he's got Gaunt Summoner of Zinch, you know, as, as Ed Nickhouse play does. Uh, three times ten Marauders um, for the battle line. He's got a Chaos War Shrine. Uh, and then he's got the Night Bus, which is 15 Chaos Knights. Uh, and he's got 100 points in his reinforcement pool for the obvious battle wind. Uh, so the first scenario was the Comet. Um, you sort of deployed like you did an old escalation, so on a diagonal angle. And then in the third round, an objective randomly dropped um, in the quarters or in the middle of the board. Um, and then the player who controls it at the end of the game, so at the end of the fifth battle round, um, wins the game. And to control it, you just have models, well, most models within six. Uh, so I got to the table, uh, rolled up the scenery as you do. There's a good bit of damned and a bit of arcane on one side. Um, Fraser wins the roll off. Um, and he takes the arcane and damned, and now I'm just thinking, shit, this is going to be even harder now. Um, which is something I've learned with the new armies, uh, as in the new armies being the armies that come out this year. So, uh, the two elf factions, Death and, and Maggot King, is that they almost overwhelm you with an array of offensive and supporting spells. So you don't want to give them any opportunity to make those spells easier to go off. Uh, so I'll get into that a bit later. Uh, so he won the roll-off, deployed. I have about 19 drops. Uh, Fraser has 9, 10. Uh, so Fraser, so we deploy. Um, again, the deployment type isn't bad, but I sort of shot myself in the foot because when I last played Fraser, um, he pretty much just does this thing where he uh, turns the cycle of corruption to pick D3 units. They take D3 mortal wounds, and he just snipes off all my heroes. Um, and that's the way you play Stormcast. Um, is he just took off all my heroes pretty much in the first two or three turns. And then I knew if Rodigus' spell as well, he was going to do the same. Um, so I was looking for sort of line of sight blocking scenery, which he was um, a Sylvaneth Wildwoods, which had trees on it, which weren't Wildwood trees. And I pretty much congered my heroes behind this, and we agreed that um, Rodigus couldn't see him, but obviously I can't hide from the Allegiance ability. Um, so it was a way for me to sort of mitigate the mortal wounds that were going to come at me. Um, Turns out it doesn't matter in the end. Um, and then I deployed my Fulminators, which is sort of my punch unit of the list uh, for Fulminators off to a side, um, which, again, I was trying to block line of sight behind a, a house. Um, what I didn't realize as I was deploying is they're about 15, 16 inches away from the rest of my heroes. So obviously um, giving them the Herald of Horn or giving them Castellan buff or being a Ranger Staunch Defender was, was all out the window. Um, I was a bit hungover, but, yeah, I just didn't deploy too well. Uh, Fraser gives me first turn. Um, I move up some Judicators to be in range to shoot him. I move up my Heralder to two to piece of scenery, which is next to his Night Bus. And um, I rolled like a two or three, and the, the piece of scenery happened to be mystical, and Fraser kept all his units outside of three, so it did absolutely nothing. Um, and that was pretty much turn, so it was sort of a buff move forward. Um, a little bit, not all my units left for former days, my heroes back, just move my Herald forward. Uh, then Fraser went. Uh, Fraser starts to buff everything up. Um, Stormcast, so I can't dispel. Um, and the deployment, you had to be about 12 inches away from each territory. No, you had to be 12 inches away from each territory. Um, I deployed sort of 10 to 15 inches back. Uh, Fraser, I think, deployed sort of on the line. So at closest, he was 
about 25 inches or so to some of my stuff, and he was about 30 to 40 inches from my Fulminators and Heroes. Uh, Fraser buffs up everything, gets blades off on his uh, night bus, which is more or less what he what he wants to do. Uh, he runs the night bus across the board, and I'm thinking, oh great, he's ran, he's lined up a turn two charge. Um, however, I forgot that if you're near one of those um, Nurgle woods, you can run and charge, and just given the footprint that 15 knights put out on the board is ridiculous. Uh, the twist sort of scenario also was that you add two inches to your move, uh, so those knights were moving very fast, and you add one to your run and one to your charge. So you can't fail a brilliant charge. Those knights then charge into my uh, unit adjudicators and my heralder, um, and just absolutely obliterates them. Uh, just with blades, he he picks up. Can't even remember how many attacks they have each. Is it the knights maybe have two or three knight attacks on their horses, and just picks up and just says, "I'm rolling the horse attacks first. Rolls them, kills both units just with the mortal wounds from blades, um, and." At that point, I just say to myself, shit, this is how this game's going to go. Um, I knew sort of he was always going to buff up those knights and run around and punch people's dicks in with them. Um, but when you get blades off on top of it, it's it's a nightmare. Uh, so he deletes those two units, goes priority, he wins priority. Um, and at this point, it's pretty much just game. Um, he again runs another fucking 17 inches or so to my Fulminators, uh, so he can't fail to charge, charges into my Fulminators. Um, and my heroes, um, again, 15 knights take up a lot of board space, they're on big fat bases, so he sort of strings them out on a line. They were about sort of 35 to 40 inches away, but given that he can run and charge twice and with all the added movement that this mission offers, I was probably pretty slack as to how close I deployed them. Uh, they definitely could have been further away, but I was sort of comfortable with where they were, but um, the speed that his knights moved definitely took me off, uh, caught me off guard, sorry. Uh, at this point, he moves uh, the cycle. Um, he moves it in his first turn because he didn't roll it at the start, and then he does D3 unit, D3 mortal wounds to D3 units. Uh, rolls D3 units, rolls like a six, picks three units, and then each unit takes three mortal wounds, uh, which was my heroes. Um, then plows into my fulminators, uh, kills two of them on the charge, kills two relictors on the charge. Uh, doesn't hurt my general because he's got minus one to hit. And um, leaves a Castellan. No, sorry, kills my Castellan, kills a Relictor, leaves a Relictor with about two wounds left, and and then my General and leaves two Fulminators. Um, and then that was that was pretty much game at that point. Um, tags the unit of ten pistols into combat two. Becomes my turn, bottom of turn two. Um, I debuff him to hit, um, and then pretty much what happens from there is he just sort of slowly moves his hero forward heroes forward and starts picking off all my units that can make a minus one to hit. Um, the comet drops at the top of turn three and it drops in his deployment zone, which was probably the second best place it could drop for me um, because he'd moved everything out of his deployment zone and I actually had a unit adjudicator still in the sky and I had a unit of skinks sort of running around the board edge. Um, my adjudicators drop and land there and they shoot some marauders which are in range. Um, then I got some skinks that sort of run up as well. Uh, they don't get in range. Um, he sort of, then it's his turn, he turns around Rodigus and just spells off half the Judicators. Um, and then I had a chance where I had my Skink sort of run from the baseline of one board edge, charge Rodigus on a huge charge, maybe like a 10 or 11. And then I immediately activate them and then pile them out eight inches straight towards the objective. Uh, this was turn four. Um, and then Fraser just turned around and just magic them off the next turn. 
so really, it was just all over after the double turn. Um, unfortunately, some sloppy deployment by me um, and Fraser just getting blades off of those knights and just rolling 35 dice, 34 dice, whatever it was, to hit and about 14 of them with sixes, which just destroyed my army. Um, so I always knew it was going to be tough, but my god, that Megakin army is just so resilient. So many offensive spells. Um, it was it was a bit of a nightmare. Um, so now nah, Fraser just absolutely smashed me, and that's and that's all I can say. Um, and he beat me at Nikon too, so he's beat me the last two tournaments. Um, it's becoming a bit of my kryptonite, I guess, but that's all right. Um, so that was my game one major loss. I killed. Oh shit! I think I killed five knights. Maybe I'm not entirely sure. It wasn't a whole lot. Um, throughout that whole game, just the saves after saves after damage. Um, I wasn't, you know, I couldn't damage him a whole lot. I think the fulminators in the shooting phase in the second turn did the most damage when I had two fulminators left, doing def- uh, rolling D3 attacks and doing double mortal wounds every time a, um, a thing hit. But other than that, I didn't do a whole lot of damage, and he just took on my heroes, synergy of my army fell apart, and, and that was game. Really, um, so not the not the way I wanted to start the tournament. Last AOS one tournament in New Zealand, just hoping to get a podium at least, or um, possibly a win, because it's been a while since I've won a tournament. But um, but no, not the way that I needed to start the tournament. Um, uh, Lee, why don't you talk? Who about wanted to go next with their game? Yeah, no worries. Um, I suppose first go through my list. So I played Sylvanath. Um, so I took uh, Null Root. It's a big surprise for everyone. Uh, so Tree Lord Ancient, uh, two branch witches. Um, I took uh, Way Watcher, some Doomfire Warlocks, twenty Dryads, six Hunters with Scythes, uh, some Prosecutors as well, and I had a hundred points left for uh, Bailwind. So basically, the idea of the list is um, every. Oh, I had two lots of Tree Revenants as well, so everything can move pretty quick. And with the Bailwind, I can put either of the branch witches on. Uh, one of them is more offensive, so he has um, Burn and Blessing to get trees uh, 36 inches away. And the other one has Regrowth, so if it's that kind of mission, then they can heal at 36 inches. Uh, so, yeah, I worked it out with my cousin Dane over in Australia, so we'd gone through it quite a lot, just looked at the pack and seen that a lot of them were end-game objectives. And a lot relied on movement. And I tend to put in allies in most of my lists just in case you come up against another Sylvaneth player, because I think that gives you a bit of an edge. And then in the first round, I got the other Sylvaneth player. So I played Brendan in the first round, and he had three Tree Lord Ancients, uh, Durfu, and some uh, Spellweaver and some other Wanderer's stuff, and three units of Ten Dryads. I've always found that against other Sylvaneth players, you just don't put downwards. So he put his first three down, and then I just didn't bother with mine. Um, and that gives you a bit of advantage because you can, uh, uh, well, they've got, you can rouse the woods and hurt his characters, but he doesn't have the opportunity to do that to you. So he deployed with all his tree lord ancients in the far corner, and I spread all my stuff about, but had six hunters right at the front i like that i like that um that idea not putting down the woods so that he can't rouse you but you can rouse him 
but you can still teleport to his woods. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I think that's some, the thing. That's, sorry, that's, that's you can tip there, right? You can teleport to his, his woods, can't you? Like? Yeah, if you from you can teleport to any woods. So I don't bother putting down any woods to start with, and then let them put woods in there because they're um, especially the way he had his um, army uh, decked out. They didn't have Verdant Blessings, so he was limited on how far he could put his woods. So I could block out half the board, then he'd pop his downwards, and if I did need to get across the board, I could use my acorn to drop one, just one single base, yeah. and then I could use any of the ones he'd already put down. So, yeah, uh, I've always found that against other Sylvaneth players, you actually, like, I take ten bases everywhere I go, but I hardly ever use them against other Sylvaneth players. No, that's, that's cool. Well, yeah, as you said, um, you don't really need to, do you? I remember walking past the table and going, fuck, there's going to be no room on that table whatsoever. Yeah, We no. had four bases down in total, and three of them went down before the game. Um, uh, so, yeah, so I took first turn. Oh, sorry. I was, I was just going to say, by base, do you mean an individual Sylvaneth Wildwood base, or do you mean a Sylvaneth Wood, which can consist of up to three bases? So, uh, most of the time, I'll try, if I'm playing a non Sylvaneth play, you try and put down as many as you can. And yeah. That's what Brendan did. He put two bases down. Yeah. Um, but like I say, if I'm playing a silver affair, I'll tend to try and limit them. Yeah. And uh, put one down at a time just because you can't teleport within nine inches. So you can fan out across one base quite easily and stop them using your woods. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, so that was my whole plan is I spread the army out so that I knew I was going to get first turn because I had the, I had the one, uh, three drop army in here, a few more. Sorry, so Lee, I'm just interrupting, mate. Was... I'll just quickly cover off Brendan's list. Uh, so Brendan had yeah. a, a rather odd Sylvaneth list. I've just got the list up in front of me, lads, so if you don't know what was in the list, let me know. Uh, he had a Spirit of Dufu, a Tree Lord Ancient, Tree Lord Ancient, Tree Lord Ancient, so three Tree Lord Ancients, a Spellweaver, uh, three times ten Dryads, uh, Eternal Guards, Sister of Horn, um, and I'll, I'll let Lee talk from here about how it went and so on. Yeah, I think after the game we spoke, and I think the only mistake, because his list was quite scary once it got moving, because Durfee would take uh, wounds from all these other tree lords, so they'd go around in a little pack. But he um, didn't take Vernon Blessings, so he was relying on the tree lord Ancient's ability of putting a base out. And that's a lot harder to get out, because it has to be uh, outside of three inches of other models or terrain, whereas Vernon Blessing only needs to be one inch. So it was... That, and that was my plan on the first turn, was to try and scatter my models, do my nice little uh, uh, shapes with my dryads to try and take as much of the board space up so there wasn't anywhere he could put his trees, which would then mean he was trapped in the corner, relying on a four or five inch movement from a tree lord. Uh, so that's what happened. I, uh, with the twist, I knew that I'd get the extra movement. Um, so I managed to move my hunters up and got a six-inch charge in some dryads, which meant then I could pile in and tie up all these little bubble of Tree Lord Ancients. Um, I'd already taken damn terrain on the and then rehealed the hunters. So in that first turn, we did quite a bit of damage because he hadn't managed to get any of his buffs up and took off one Tree Lord and took a few wounds on one of the other ones. And like I say, I'd, pack, I'd moved everything else. I'd moved some tree revenants from one corner into the other so that he couldn't put any uh, into his deployment zone. So he couldn't put any trees down there. And that was pretty much the first turn. So when it came around to his, he was still stuck in that corner in combat with the 
um, hunters with Durfu more than three inches away from the woods, so you couldn't get that buff. Uh, still smashed pretty hard. Um, and it was just a bit of a waiting game then for the first, for the next couple of rounds while he chewed through my hunters, but I held him in position there and used the rest of the army to, and the spells to pick off his dryads and, um, and his other units. He did then, once he got through my hunters, which was, I think, turn three, he managed to drop another wood, which meant he started teleporting out. But then um, it was easy to pick uh, the tree lord he teleported out off because you just used your mortal wound spells on him. And then when we dropped the common, it, it came right smack bang in the middle of the table. Um, so it was a bit of a foot race to try and get across. Um, I won the priority going into that turn, so I flew the prosecutors over and the doom fires, and then moved the tree lord up and tried to hold it. Um, yeah, and then we got into the fifth round, and just to make sure, I like to use um, Moonstone at the Valley, I think it's called, for the tree lord where he can use a one-time ability to teleport to four inches from any other enemy model. And because he's part of a household as well, it means that that model can't then retreat. So I just teleported the Tree Lord Ancient in front of Durfu. Um, so even he, he wouldn't be able to retreat onto the objective. So he had to fight the Tree Lord, which means I would then hold it with the, the remainder of my force. So yeah, went pretty good. Um, I think well, we both killed 900 points of each other's army. So it, it yeah, it, it was pretty even. Just came down to that extra bit of movement that I had. So it sounds like your strategy of sort of just letting him deploy woods and then you sort of control the board and wait, um, you know, wait for the comment to drop sort of worked out in that instance. So um, good job there. <laughs> yeah, I, sounds like I, he's like cutting some timber or something. Oh, like God, man. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like he's breaking some skin on something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's just uh, gone all silent. Yeah, he's uh, uh, apparently the dog. <laughs> dog's being a bit of a dick. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, uh, it tends to work. I, I, as you boys know from when we play, I tend to use the defensive armies anyway. So I tend to wait until turn three, four, or five before I do much. And the, uh, like, like I say, I found, because there was a lot last year, there was a, a lot of Sylvaneth players in our meta. And I tended to find that, yeah, just limiting the number of woods um, it really helped. And then using Tree Reverence and the Moonstone made up for it on our side, on my side, so it gave me a bit of an edge. Yeah, yeah. And, I and think... the Waywatcher is just amazing. And I think that's the beauty about Sylvanev armies is that, um, you know, if you're a Sylvanev player and you have a bit of patience where you can sort of, um, and this is coming from someone who has never played Sylvanev, so, you know, don't, don't take my word as any, as anything special. Um, but I have played against a lot of Sylvanev, but if you have a bit of patience and you can wait out sort of turn three or four, um, five, you know, and abuse the movement mechanic that your army can offer and you have sort of favorable wood deployments, deployments then um then you can play that late game especially if you don't just sort of go jump in right away and then just get smashed um or not necessarily smashed but if you jump into unfavorable combats and you can just bounce around the board and 
and win the game on the objective and not necessarily have to kill a whole lot of the army. Um, of course, that doesn't, you know, work for every army you play. If you play against like 20 Skyfires and you're just running around the board, ignoring your terrain and mortal wound in yours, then clearly that's not viable. But um, I think in uh, this I case, with the, um, it did really well. With, I think with Null Root as well, because you get that extra spell where you can um, bring back hunt, uh, one model from each unit or D3 Dryads or Tree Revs. Um, I use that all the way through the tournament to keep bringing back hunters, especially when you were on a, a Bailwind. That meant you could bring back a model within 36. Uh, you need to roll a 7, but you're getting plus 1 from the Bailwind, plus 1 from Rami, uh, the, the artifact that you can take. So you can bring back a hunter on 5 wounds on a 5. And like I say, I kept using that against, uh, well, Two, two or three of the armies over the weekend, so they do all the hard work to get through the hunters. Who, if they haven't charged, are already re-rolling all their save rolls, and then you bring one back. Yeah, hunters are a pain in the ass to get rid of too, aren't they? Especially if you don't have any mortal wounds, you can just get stuck on them all game. They're awesome, and like, hopefully the points will drop so I can get more. Uh, the, both their sides and the swords, I really like the bow hunters. I, I'm not overly, I don't think they're worth the points. I think the way watchers are better. Um, particularly now, if you can't shoot out of combat, I, I don't think we will see a lot more, a lot of hunters with bows going forward next year or this year. Yeah, I think bow hunters are good, but I think at two twenty they're not that good. Whereas I think the scythe hunters are great because I think reach two, ren two. I think anything that has ren two is amazing. Um, although I don't like the swingy damage um, and the swords. I haven't seen a lot of swords, but the consistency of the damage would be pretty would be pretty awesome. Um, and you definitely will see a lot more of you them run the, with the points decrease coming up. Yeah, I think if, if you run in like hunters with scythes, like like, like it's not exactly uh, new information with six are excellent. Whereas if you're running threes, I think the with the swords is the better kit out um, because you don't have to worry about that reach to get them all in, and you get an extra attack. It's only run one, but you're doing a flat two damage each time. Whereas yeah, there's nothing worse than getting that. All six hunters with size in, and then you roll ones or twos for their damage. Yeah, so it's less attacks, but it's far more consistent in the damage output because you know what your damage is going to be. Sorry about that, listeners. We had a bit of technical difficulty there, and um, Lee sort of cut out as he was explaining something. Um, as I don't know where he cut out, we're just going to jump straight into to Little Sean's round one. So, Little Sean, uh, who were you playing? How did it go? Do you have their list up? Do you need me to? tell you what they were were running uh so i was playing Seth. Seth first game um i know Seth's list basically off by heart um he's from around here so i play him on the regular every sunday um Seth was playing beast claw raiders and he had um the bragoth's beast hammer battalion so that's uh frost lord on stonehorn two units of four mournfang uh two units of two gore grunters uh, I think that's it, yeah. And then he had a butcher allied in, and he had the ice barrel hunter and a unit of cats. Um, the ice barrel hunter was general, so the cats come down as his battle line. Um, so I played him game one. I think the drive up, he was sort of going, ah, fuck. Would play every weekend. Um, normally doesn't go too well for Seth. Now he has to drive three hours in the morning to, to play me in Napier, but. Um, we got to the table and it's just back to normal again, so we're just yarning away and having a good old time. And um, I think he won the roll-off for 
No, I run the, won the roll off for uh, first turn, and there was some arcane terrain down, so I slapped Sal down there and um and the Gaunt Summoner, and I was happy in my little corner. Um, I basically just buffed up first turn and didn't move. Just said over to you, mate, and uh, he did the same thing, which he's never done before, so it kind of caught me off guard. And it's like come and come and punch me, but he didn't. Um, then turn two, he won the roll off for that, gave it to me, and I just did the same thing again, buffed up. Um, the comet drops in round three, I think, in that scenario. So, um, because we didn't know where it was, I think we both didn't want to blow our load too early. Uh, and he sort of sat in his corner, I sat in my corner until turn three, and it dropped smack bang in the middle. So that was perfect for both of us, I guess. Um, in my blood screen range, so I'm happy. And um, he won the turn for that. <clears throat> and uh, come flying across the board, put everything straight into the Marauders, which is ideally what I wanted. Um, and then the turn come over to me, and I buffed the living fuck out of my blood letters, uh, double whip them, so they're getting plus six to charge. Two mortals on fours. I might have dams, so it might have been mortals on threes. Um, I summoned the Skullmaster, so I rerolled hit rolls of one. So, um, there was 60 attacks, and I think there was 40 mortal wounds maybe over the unit, um, into two four man units, Mournfang. And they pretty much cleaned them out. So he had, I think, one Mournfang from each unit left. Um, what's that? Six? Yeah, yeah. That 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 might be about right. One unit, uh, one one model from each. Uh, and then they battle shocked off the board, so that got rid of them pretty quickly. Then into turn turn four, it was pretty crucial who won that priority roll. Um, my chosen was still sitting at the back of the board, ready to go, and his Frost Lord was sitting there, ready to destroy my Blood Leaders and try and get that point back. All of his Gore Grunters were still on the board, so um, it, was, it was a pretty good position for him as well if he was able to smash into my lines and then protect his Stonehorn from the Chosen flying in. Um, just with the Gore Grunters really using them as chaff with those big long bases. Um, but I won the turn, and from that point it was pretty much downhill for Seth. His Stonehorn was sitting out by himself. The Gore Grunters were just sitting just past the Mormfang. And everything sort of just pushed forward. I flew some Chosen into, into the Frost Lord, took him off, took all the Gore Grunters off. I think it went to game five, uh, to round five. Um, but it was just the Butcher hanging, hanging around the back in the Ice Barrel Hunter. Um, the two guys I wasn't overly too worried about. So that, it, it was a pretty quick and precise game. We play each other once a week. So we know once it starts going this way, um, how to capitalize on everything, but. Um, unfortunately for Seth, it, it went my way. So did you end up sort of tabling him or...? or... Yeah, yeah, I, I ended up kept taking everything off the table, so I got a full 2,000 kill points for that one. Yeah, and where where did the objective drop, sorry? You said it sort of... Was it yeah, between... right right in the middle of the board. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, similar to Star Strike, except there's only one objective that drops. Yeah. And I think it on a five or six, it was in the middle of the board, and that's where it went, so, yeah. yeah. Bit rough. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it just sounds like you sort of out-combated his combat army, in all honesty. Um, I think out-chaffing sort of crucial it, really. Yeah. doesn't help Beast Claws. Uh, there's, there's nothing for, for like, there's nothing stopping me from punching him. Um, everything to him is valuable, but I don't give a flying fuck if you kill 20 Marauders. Um, so he hits that, I'm happy. I hit him back, and he's losing. So um, I think that's a big problem with Beast Claws. Not being able to ally in anything too, too useful there as well. 
Sorry, I was on mute. I, I, <laughs> I was like, is, is, Lee still is there? everyone gone? Yeah, <laughs> I think Lee's still there. It says Lee's offline on mine, so I don't know where he's gone, if he's, if he's there or not. We can go into my game too if you want, or your game. Oh, we'll go uh, into your game too. And then yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll jump into back. my game too. So, after getting smashed by Fraser, only scoring, what, like 160 kill points through five nights or whatever it was, um, I ended up playing Seth, so who Sean played in the first round. Uh, so, I never played Seth before, which I always love playing new people. Uh, so, Seth's an American guy. Uh, he's over here for work, I assume. I'm not too sure. As you can probably tell by the tone of my voice. Uh, so I played, I played Seth, uh, we played in what I can only describe really as the triangle deployment, uh, so it is one person's half is a triangle, and um, the tip of the triangle is the middle of the board, so 24 inches up, and then the ends of that triangle are in both corners, and then the opposite person, uh, so this is me in this instance, sets up sort of smaller triangles in each corner, and not in the middle of the board, so it sort of gets, um, it's about sort of 11 inches, 12 inches uh, deep at the max. And Hi listeners, we ran into some recording issues here, and long story short, my side did not record. This means it's just Lee and Little Sean for the next hour or so. You won't hear about my rounds 2 and 3, and my comments and stories of Saturday night. However, however I kicked back in at round 4. Now there might be some context lacking, as I was asking questions to the lads, or making comments, and they were and they were responding to what I had to say. So you only get half the story, and you miss out on a lot of what we talked about on the Saturday night. In short, many drinks were had, and we all had a good time. A quick recap of my rounds 2 and 3. I played Seth round 2, and pulled off a major win. Played Matty Watkinson round 3, and I scored another major win. This left me with two major victories and one major loss on day 1. Now on with the show. Um, but it's quite interesting. So on the drive up, I took Aiden up, and Aiden plays Pestilence, and uh, I said that I really wanted to meet him in round two because he had like two hundred and eighty rats or something stupid like that, all with one wound, and I drew Aiden, which was really good for me. Um, so I started off by putting. I got to the table, and it's like what we like to see. There was lots of big spaces for the woods. So I pushed um, uh, two wood bases into the corner and then hoped that I'd win the roll-off so that I would take the big arrow and he'd have to deploy in the two board edges. And when he's got that many rats, he wouldn't be able to pack them all in one area. So um, anyway, that's what happened. So I took the big area. He had the two corners. And Aiden lives just around the corner from me, so we play quite often. So he's used to... Sylvan F in the woods, and he's actually beaten me here the last few times. So when he deployed, he kept all his heroes and all his um, uh, plague monks away from the, the wood that I'd put in his area, but he never put anything in the wood, so he left this big space, which would help out in my first turn. So as I deployed, I just pushed into the back corner because wasn't going to do very much, but put my hunters and one of my... Uh, branch witches up the front and it's the branch wrist with the acorn uh, I put my way watcher right in the middle of the table there was a piece of terrain that was in my area so I just put the uh, way watcher up there like some legolas type thing going on I took the first turn and just put as many woods down as I could 
um, and I put the acorn down so that the hunters were within three inches, gave them mystic shield, and then teleported them into the woods in the corner, which were nine inches away from his um, normal clan rats. But at this point, they are a save of two, re-rolling all failed if they don't charge. Failed the charge, but that wasn't the end of the world there. Um, but I managed to get about another four, four bases, three bases down. So I covered the whole of the middle of the table, which just meant he'd have to march all his horrible little plague months across the table um, to get to us and try and run through the woods. And we all know how successful running through the woods is. You just aren't shorn in a minute. Um, you get a you get a speed buff or something, don't you? You get like. <laughs> Uh, this time, I think he runs seventeen. <laughs> he, he runs seventeen clan rats for it and rolled no ones whatsoever. <laughs> uh, that always happens all the time. I don't know why people are so scared of running through. Um, but yeah, that was cool. So I, yeah, I know I make it like a, a a choice. I don't need to go through the woods, but if I can, I'm running as much shit through those woods as I possibly can, just to tell you just me. Do it to. You just, you just do it to piss me off. You river dance things <laughs> across there just to wind me up. Uh, we played in a tournament last year where he took 27 um, uh, models for it and lost one. Uh, so, so, yeah, he does it just to trigger me. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, that was pretty much my turn one. Um, he charges clan rats into the, um, into the hunters, which I think was a mistake because, that, like I said, the hunters are then... Uh, two up, re-rolling, all failed. So they just pretty much carve through those mountains of dice that he rolls. Um, he won the second. He won the roll off. So went again and started moving his plague monks up uh, across the board. But um, had no choice but to go into the woods. But didn't want to run across them because there was no real benefit if he got double. Uh, if I got the next double turn. And uh, so I just shuffled some stuff around. I moved the warlocks up so they could give Mystic Shield to the hunters. And then in the middle of the table, I um, uh, brought on a Bailwind. And I put another branch witch up there with the tree spell. Uh, but what the um, branch witch has as a individual spell is a nine-inch bubble. Uh, you roll the dice. It's a casting on a five, but that number you roll that many dice again. So if you cast it on a seven, you roll seven dice for every unit within nine inches. And each six is a mortal wound. But when it's on the bail wind, that becomes obviously 18 inches. So uh, they get plus one from the bail wind, plus one from the artifact that she carries. So I think on that first go, I had an 18-inch bubble rolling 13 dice per unit. And I think I covered about seven of his units. So it's like, two or three mortal wounds here, two or three mortal wounds here, and then the Waywatcher was picking off his um, priest as he'd come across. Um, so, yeah, um, it it was the worst scenario for Aiden, and it just carried on like that. I don't think he he didn't kill anything until round five, but then he's just started to throw all these plague months into things, and, yeah, it took, quite, it took all the hunters off by then. But, um, yeah, when it's a, it was always going to be his worst scenario the weekend. I think he's, like I say, all he needed to do um, to uh, was put his clan rats into the woods, they, um, and then I wouldn't have been able to teleport across. But uh, like, like I say, we play so often, 
that um, normally it's not a problem. And like they, those, he get he buffs those plague months so well that they just tear through stuff. The hell's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's the voice of the dog. Um, but yeah, and uh, for someone who <laughs> someone who plays a horde army, he plays quicker than I do, so um, which is always good. Yeah, I also, <laughs> I, I also had the triumph for re-rolling um, uh, saves on one unit. So just, I never use like everyone. You forget the triumphs, but after two rounds of uh, combat with his with his rats into the hunters, they got through one one wound. So I just used the triumph just to save that wound, just to piss him off. So that was a highlight. <laughs> I am a terrible human being, but he plays Skaven. He would have done exactly the same. Each unit of 10 gets to open their prayer book so they can do mortal wounds. And then he just death frenzies and everything each unit and just sends them in. So they do loads of damage. They roll so many dice per per unit. And then if you kill them, they still get to roll again. So he just... Uh, Oh. That's when you were running the vanguard wing, wasn't it? So the the worst thing you can do with the rats is get within thirteen inches, because then all of a sudden he starts doing all these great plague uh, prayers and things, and before you know it, this massive amount of mortal wound output comes out. He, he did the same to me when we first started playing as well. Uh, I think you'd probably be better off getting him on to talk to you guys about his army because he knows it back to front. So round two ahead, Fraser and um. Me and Fraser played last last tournament at Netcon with the exact same list on the exact same table with the exact same train on it. Um, so it was it was a proper rematch. Fraser has about fucking thirty drops or something. I've got four, so I was pretty comfortable with that. Um, he put me in in the little corners, um, so I basically just castled on one corner and that was cool, knowing that I was going to win the drop and see who went first. And he deployed really well, screened off all his stuff so I couldn't throw any Chosen into anything, um, anything too juicy first turn. Uh, I s- noticed he strung out his his 20-man unit of Marauders pretty pretty thin. Um, so I decided to take the first turn, get my banner up, get my buffs up, hopefully bail win my Gaunt Summoner, uh, and just risk that double turn. Um, so pretty much all of my buffs went off all good first turn. Um, and the... Gaunt Summoner went up on the bail one. So I hit the 20-man unit of uh, Marauders. And I think I took nine off. Nine off after his War Shrine uh, saves. Uh, and that gave me space to go and hit the Chaos Knights, which was sitting behind it. So I was pre- feeling pretty comfortable about that. That was kind of my my idea, hopefully. Find some space for my Chosen and hit something before it gets buffed up with uh, extra wounds and stuff from the Glockkin uh, and Blades and all that. Cell spell went off. And I threw the Chosen across the board and straight into the Knights. Over the combat phase, nothing of mine moved, nothing of his moved. Um, and then I took six Knights off with the Chosen on turn one. So I was feeling pretty comfortable about that. The uh, Chosen on three up saves. Um, I think he took maybe one Chosen off with the Knights. Uh, I piled them all in to tie, pull all of his units in. Um, but they couldn't hit me because all the Knights were in the way. The Knights couldn't hit me because the other Knights were in the way. Um kind of problem with such a big such a big unit um so i was hoping some of the knights might battle shock uh, but i think he rolled a one or maybe a two next to inspiring terrain so he was he was totally sweet and it went over to his turn over in his turn he took off my chosen that were in his face sort of what i expected i wasn't uh, didn't think they were gonna hang around but um they got they got rid of his big hammer unit well the the main strength of his hammer unit 
and started chipping away at my heroes with uh, Rodigus's spell and the wheel. And uh, what's he? He had that other spell on the uh, the Nurgle Sorcerer, which it's basically Rodigus's spell, but on a six. Yeah, and then he picks a unit for each six, <laughs> but there's no unlimited range mortal wound output. I'm like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake! Everything was around the the shrine, so it wasn't too bad. They all had saves, um, but not enough to really take too much of it. So yeah, he didn't really move too far that turn. He was stuck with the knights. Uh, on the Chosen, they only died in the combat phase, so pretty comfortable. Um, then we rolled up priority, and he won the priority roll, so he double-turned me, um, and it's like the, sort of the last thing I wanted to happen. Uh, he didn't get amazingly lucky with his spells. He got them all off, um, but he probably spread out his damage a little bit too far or didn't get didn't get enough damage on my heroes. So I think all my heroes were still on the board after his hero phase. Um, but he did manage to get the, the Gaunt Summoner on the Bailwind and take 15 Bloodletters off or something like that. Um, that, that was a real big misplay by, by me. I should have saved my, um, my auto dispel for the Bailwind. Um, I got a little bit cocky stopping him from moving the dial. I was worried about my heroes, hoping he wasn't going to roll up the Bailwind, but yeah, he did. And then he rolled the spell, took half my Bloodletters off. So that's, that hurt pretty bad. Then his knights run and charge, went and hit 10 Marauders. So that was cool. I'm happy about that. Uh, and that was pretty much the end of his turn there. All my heroes still on the board. The Marauders obviously exploded when the Knights, knights touched them. Um, and he moved Rodigus forward. Uh, yeah, so he moved Rodigus forward and um, charged Rodigus into the side of my Marauders. And I was sort of sitting there like, awesome. Why You, you, pulled, your, you pulled your big pain-the-ass hero out um, that I really wanted to get rid of. So going on to my turn, turn two, I picked my Chosen up, threw them across the board at uh, Rodigus. So they were over to the left. My Bailwind was kind of stopping anything moving side to side across my lines. Um, so the Knights weren't going to be able to move over and get my heroes, the Bailwind, sort of in the way. They're such a big unit. Um, so in my head, I thought it was a good idea to take Rodigus out. You know, he's worth 32 points because um, his wounds are doubled compared to the Knights where there's only eight left or something. Um, and buffed up Mystic Shield on my Lord. Uh, the Chaos Lord's a tanky motherfucker. Um, he's only 140 points, and he looks like he goes down pretty easy, but he is so resilient. Um, so I buffed him up and run him into the side of the Knights and just tagged one Knight on the very edge, um, hoping just to hold him there for a few turns. Um, I took Rodigus off. No worries with the Chosen. And the Knights did, I think, two or three wounds to to the uh, the Chaos Lord. I forgot all about my um, my save after save, so that that kind of screwed up my plan a little bit there. And then he won the priority roll into turn three, so that was, that was where I realized that I fucked up pretty bad. Um, I got a little bit too, a little bit too greedy and got Rodigus when I probably should have just blown the Knights up. If I would have done that, I would have been in a, a more defensive position and probably better to pick the knights, back, uh, the chosen back up again, all buffed up and throw them back across the board. Um, but he charged Glockin into the chosen and took them off, and it was pretty much all down from hill from there. Um, the knights didn't get to charge again the entire game. I pretty much just dicked them around with the knights. They didn't do anything really. Um, it took four combat phases, I think, to take my corn lord off. Um, 
And then by that stage, I had three blood tithe points. So in his turn, I charged one blood letter into one knight on the very, very end of his conga line um, and just got them stuck there the whole game, which was cool. But I didn't have the anything left to punch him with, with 10 blood letters left and no chosen and my lord dead. And all my, my, all my support characters slowly getting chipped away. Um, so he, he ran away with the game from there. Um, and it was pretty much a game of can I run away from, from his Glockkin, um, <laughs> with my characters for the rest of the game. And he, he killed a few. I think I had Sal and a Bloodstoker left at the end, but it was actually really close on points at the end. I think he beat me by 21 wounds. So I was kind of kicking myself. Fraser definitely outplayed me. I, 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 I learned from those mistakes what to do next time. But yeah, it was a bloody good game. Um, and he got his revenge. So it's, we're, we're one and one on those lists on that map. So maybe next time up, we'll see what happens. I think it's the case of like, you need to, like, if you try and go after the big pieces at the back, you have to be able to take them off in one turn. Otherwise you just get smashed back too much. And there's so much spells, so much more wounds coming back that yeah, you, if you commit forward, you've got to do it in one turn. But you've got to hold something back to try and blunt the, the knights that are speeding along as well. well. After two mages, which is unusual to say the least, uh, I was playing Nick uh, with his Iron Jaws. And I've never played Iron Jaws before, so um, it was going to be interesting. Um, I felt the different about this battle plan because this suited me quite well as long as I got the middle. And I, uh, so all I did was put the trees right down in the middle so uh, Nick chose, because he won the roll-off, and he put his um, list, uh, his army, into the corners. Uh, so one big, he deployed first. In one corner, he put 20 yard boys and a couple of heroes. And then in the opposite corner, he put everything else, which I was quite surprised about, because I was expecting him to spread into at least three of the corners. So in the opposite corner, he had um, a big unit of brutes, He's buffing heroes, a mega boss, and the cabbage. Uh, so it meant I just had to protect from two sides. So I put the hunters in a circle facing the cabbage and the mega boss, and uh, all the dryads on the side with the warlocks um, facing the uh, hard boys. Hard boys, yeah. And then everything else just all in the woods in the middle. And Nick chose to go first and charged the brutes into the hunters and because they get to re-roll all their saves I think two, he killed two hunters and then I think uh, went from battle shock so uh, when it came to my turn took back three or four of his brutes off which meant battle shock he lost another couple there um, but then I was able to grow them back using using the spells from the null root so then healed one got the other one back and it's almost a full unit again um i used the same trick with the way watcher put him on top of a piece of serene scenery and needed to take out his um buffing hero the war boss on the pig which was given an extra while i think um so yeah so that that happened and it sort of become a bit of a grind where nick would charge things in i'd defend them uh, and then slowly grind them off and then grow back the hunters while on the other side um was just picking off his uh, his eyeballs to make sure it was less than 20 so that um, if I needed to, I could fling the dryads across and just need to get one of them in, in range and claim that objective. Uh, but like the stars of the show here were the, the, the hunters. They 
saw off all the brutes, the cabbage, the mega boss, um, and ended up with five of a unit of six left at the end of the game. So, yeah, it went really well. And I think if Nick had, had sent the cabbage in from another um, one of the other corners, I would have been in a lot more trouble. Same thing again. I, I think I only used three woods in this time as well, so which is unusual. Yeah, it, it was he. Uh, yeah, if he'd attacked on three or four sides, I would have been in trouble because I haven't got enough to castle up all the way around that circle. But just coming in from the two gave me a bit of a chance. And uh, like the uh, warlock spell where they can do, um, I think it's D6 mortal wounds, uh, just started picking off um, his his unit that was protecting his objective. So, yeah, it, it from my point of view, it went as well as it could ever have gone. And so I ended up with three majors, which, like, yeah, <laughs> never happens. Uh, yeah, we'll go with that, yeah. No, I, I was just... I my <laughs> My day one was quite lucky because I, uh, the armies that I faced were the best armies for for me to face in that mission, if that makes sense. So yeah, that changed day two though. Uh, so major win, yeah, one major win, one major loss at this point. So I drew Aiden for this game mode, and Aiden has two hundred rats. Um, then Aiden won the roll off. And uh, he put me smack bang in the middle and then covered literally every single corner um, in rats and then got to pick who went first. So I pretty much looked at the board, went, fuck it, there's a 0% chance of me winning this one. Um, Plague, Monk, uh, Plague Monks hit like a truck, but the problem with Plague Monks is they're too slow to get into, into combat um, a lot of the time. But... He starts 12 inches away from me, moves six. Um, I don't have enough chaff, and I don't have enough space in the middle of the board for my entire army. Um, so I think he charged five, six units of rats into me, turn one on the alpha strike um, from all all corners of the board, and um, took all my bloodletters, bar 10, all my marauders off, um, this scenario, I think, just the deployment um, was pretty out the gate. Um, the the twist on this one meant that you set your entire army up at once, and then on two plus, uh, you get to pick who goes first. On a one, your opponent gets to pick who goes first. Um, I think if that twist wasn't like that, it would have maybe balanced this this scenario out a little bit better. Because um, I think everybody but the two Sylvanef players that got put in the middle. Um, lost. It's yeah. It's it's pretty rough with that twelve inch charge. Um, trying to defend three sixty degrees. Um, yeah, yeah. He was very happy with himself after this. Oh, he was loving it. <laughs> <laughs> Sal was standing up there too. Yeah, both of them were standing. I was like, "Fuck this shit." My two favourites can stand up there. I'm I'm dead. <laughs> Everybody else down there is dead. <laughs> Yeah, from from deployment, I was like, yeah, nah, <laughs> this isn't happening. Um, but yeah, that game there was there was not a lot to that. The, even the dice weren't in my favour in that game. Um, I couldn't get Beowind off with the Gaunt Summoner. Um, and then the worst thing, my my Corn Lord, who I always sort of have to tell people is tanky as fuck. Uh, Aiden, I killed ten rats, and he piled three in, nine nine attacks through. Then I failed nine three up saves. 
Then I failed nine five-up Berserker Lord saves. <laughs> and then I failed nine six-up Warshine saves. Um, and I was on the edge of flipping the table at that point. I was like, this is fucked. <laughs> Give me something. Please don't kill him like that. And yeah, that was that was pretty much the game. Um, I had a cool little thing at the end. I think the, the secondary objective was to move one of your models and control a uh, a piece of terrain. And uh, turn, turn five, he didn't have any models on that terrain. I picked Sal up from on top of the Bailwind and put him on that put him on that terrain. So I, I got one little win out of it, but um, I don't think anything could have wiped the smile off Aiden's face after that game. No, I think he, um, <laughs> he, he won that window as well after that game, so he was doubly happy, I think. He's loving it. Yeah, I think he actually got a he he runs some rats through my trees just uh, so he could kill. Uh, I think it was four units and a deadly uh, four models <laughs> and a deadly or something. And like he run them all through and nothing happened to him as usual. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a not not a good day one. <laughs> ah, so we all had we the entire field was staying at the same house. So <laughs> we all headed back there. And that, yeah, that was a, it was a real good giggle. We all got a load of food in, got had some drinks, and just nerded out basically. Whipped out, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it was a really good laugh. It was good to um, spend time with people that you don't really get to spend that much time in when you're playing across the table. I think it's a, I think it's a case of I've never played Warhammer drunk, but I've played Warhammer with a hangover. Oh yeah. Every every day too should be hungover. I think highlight of the night has to be Seth's uh, barrel roll down the stairs, down twelve flights of stairs outside. That's exactly what you just did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we're not here to name and shame unless just Seth. Um, <laughs> he brought the party, I tell you. Uh, we had the draw on Saturday night as well, though, didn't we? Yeah. Yep. So uh, round four started day two. I was playing Matt B. Uh, playing treasure hunt. Um, there's uh, it's a it's another odd deployment. There's a rectangle down the middle, and then there's an 18 inch on the other line. I chose a rectangle in the middle because effectively you control two thirds of the board. It two thirds of the board. Uh, there's six, six objectives, so you place them um, one at a time. You do place three each. Um, and the point of this is that every objective you control, you control it by having more models than your opponent uh, within three inches. So you roll a d6, and if it's a 6, that's a treasure. And what happens is every other objective on the board is removed at that point in time, and uh, you're just fighting over the single treasure. So it's a sort of good and bad scenario. Um, good in the sense that I guess both parties have equal opportunity to, to get it, and you can put it in some funky deployment. Um, bad as in it's, it's a complete random chance. It can come early game, it can come late game, it can really bite the players in the arse. Uh, so Matt out deploys me because I have about 17 drops and Matt has seven. Um, Matt has four zombie lords on, uh, sorry, four vampire lords on zombie dragons. One of them's Vordry. And then he has three units of five direwolves and that's his whole army. So it's a real charge you, punch you in the face, smash you with my vampire lords. And, uh, so Matt out deploys me, gives me first turn, uh, roll a d6 for the first objective. I can't remember what I roll. Three, four, doesn't really matter. Uh, second objective, I roll it to six. Uh, which is good and bad, as I sort of alluded to before. It's good in the sense that I control it. It's bad in the sense that I need to survive five turns against four zombie dragons uh, to win the game. So I just buff up, castle up around it, give, well, goes to his turn, bottom of turn one. Uh, he moves forward, 
um, buffs up, and then it goes to the roll off. Uh, we roll off. Um, he, um, pre, I won the roll. Pre measured it. We agreed that he was about 27, 28 inches away, which means he, um, he couldn't charge me. I was just making sure he didn't have any run and charge abilities. Uh, we agreed that he couldn't charge me because he was too far away. Um, and then he looked at me and said, you're giving me the turn. I said, yep, I'm giving you the turn. So he moved up. Uh, surprisingly, KG moved up. He moved up about six, seven inches. Uh, so we're still about sort of, you know, 22 inches away from me. I think it was maybe 20 inches away from me. Um, I started shooting. Uh, all my buffs, all my, sorry, all my buffs go on me. All my debuffs go on him. So Vordrow is minus two to hurt. Another Zombie Lord's minus one to hurt. Uh, I get my four Fulminators knowing that the double turns a chance and I charge him. Um, he pretty much what the setup was at this point is I was castled in the middle of the board. Uh, sorry, in the middle back edge of the board. Um, and then Matt was had four zombie dragons in the middle of the board, pretty much bang on dead in the middle of the board on damned piece of terrain. And then he had his three units of five die wolves in a circle around the outside. So the die wolves were protecting his dragons. I shot Vordry, took a couple of wounds off him. He had Mystic Shield. He was the first one forward. Um, my adjudicators were hitting him as per usual, but he was making three up saves like a boss. Uh, I charged my Formidators. Uh, I ran and charged him, gave him the Herald buff. Uh, they rolled a six on their run, which was pretty crucial. Um, and then I rolled a charge, and I really needed about an eight. Uh, I rolled a six, however, which meant I could only tag his direwolves. Uh, so when I piled in, I did some janky pile-in where I had one on the direwolves, two formulators on the zombie dragon, and then one formulator just sitting there just playing with himself, just looking around. He couldn't really do anything because he wasn't in range. Um, I killed, I think, two direwolves, which is pretty unremarkable. It's non-consequential. Um, unfortunately, I didn't tag Vordry within three inches. He was right next to the zombie dragon. I tag a zombie dragon. I think I do about six, seven wounds. It wasn't a huge amount of wounds. Uh, then he kills two formidators back, which is a bit shit. Um, then we dice off for for priority turn three. Um, I win it. I take it. Um, all my buffs fall off formidators, so they've gone from you know it's sort of two up rerolling ones to a three up rerolling ones at this point. Um, I debuff Vordry again, do a couple more wounds to him, and then I debuff one other zombie dragon, make him minus one. Uh, so Vordry is minus two again. So the debuffs worked well in this mission. White guys were alive. Uh, then I did mortal wounds. Um, I did a couple of mortal wounds to his zombie dragon that I was in combat with, and I killed, I think, another direwolf, because that was the closest guy. Um, I forgot to mention in the last combat, he killed two of my formulators in retaliation. Uh, that really hurt. Uh, my two Forminators, uh, the Spears didn't do anything, the Dracoffs, um, I rolled two sixes, which he failed, and I rolled an 11, um, which was amazing for the damage, and I took it down to one wound, I believe. Um, he was healing between the combats because he was killing Forminators. Um, so effectively what it did is I rolled an 11 and I jumped, and, um, he had one wound left and then my, my world crumbled. <laughs> I was hopeful to kill one, but it didn't. Then it went into his turn, and he was just like, fuck this noise, um, and started healing with his chalices, his D6 wounds and so on, which is just total bullshit. Uh, so he went from having one severely crippled zombie dragon, um, one sort of zombie dragon that had like four or five wounds taken off it, and Vordry, which had three or four wounds taken off it, to pretty much full zombie dragons. Um, effectively, he double-turned me at this point. This is going from turn three to four, and then he um, 
and he realized Vordry was minus two to hit, so he just said, I'm not going to put any of my buffs on Vordry, I'm going to put on this other zombie dragon who's not minuses, and just ran that zombie dragon for a chunk of my army. Um, goes to bomb my turn four, I managed to kill one zombie dragon um, at that point, with one Fulminator left, and his die wall kills my last Fulminator. Uh, at this point in time, I have, he's he's killed most of my heroes. Uh, bottom of turn four, I have, I think, like two units of skanks, a unit of judicators, a castellant, maybe maybe another unit of judicators, maybe two if I'm lucky. Uh comes off to dice off in turn five to see who wins priority. Um if I wanted I could sort of set up in a decent defensive position, spreading my units around the objective, because at this point he only had about he had three zombie dragons that were taking up a lot of board space and it was put most models from three and I had two and I was thinking if I could win this priority and move my skinks in such a way that he can't be um I could maybe pull out a sneaky win here. Uh, however, it wasn't to be. He won the turn roll, and he showed me what zombie dragon shooting damage can do, and he just put all the offensive spells out as well. He slipped off in his guys. Um, I think it was the turn before, actually, turn four. He he did that whole, yeah, pick a, a point, sort of, I think it's six inches away in every unit that goes across that line. It's like a one millimeter wide, line wide. It's pretty much a straight line, six inches. On a 4 plus every unit takes D6 mortal wounds, and he rolled like an 11 to cast it, so he doubles the range to a 12 or something like that, and then he doubles the effect, so he's rolling uh, 2D6, and on each 4 plus is, is D6 mortal wounds, and he pipped off three heroes off that, and somehow didn't cut off the judicators. Uh, so long story short, he, he killed the judicator. Uh, he won turn 5 priority, and uh, I had three zombie dragons that sent on like two units of skinks, and a unit of judicators, and he just charged, and that was game. Uh, so Matt tabled me and I killed a zombie dragon and maybe five direwolves, maybe if I'm lucky. It's always um, amazing with Matt, isn't it, that he brings a new army, sort of different tournaments, having never played it, seems to know what it does. Um, Matt's a great sort of theory crafter sort of guy as well. He, um, he, he has an idea of how an army works and he knows how it should work <laughs> and he sort of sticks to the idea and he does really well with it. Um, so, I mean, Matt did do over well. It, did do, sorry, well overall in the tournament, and we'll get to that at the end. But um, I think having the objective come up to him one was so favourable to him because he just knew he had to get zombie dragons across the board. And um, I wasn't aware of sort of how supportive and buffy they can be. Like, you know, he had sort of plus one attack on one of them and reroll hits and, and shit like that. And then they just sort of all popped this healing chalice, and I'm just like, what the fuck is this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that was pretty much when he popped that healing chalice. It was just all over. So again, that was me coming back to maybe I shouldn't play a defensive style army. Maybe it should be more offensive. You know, Ren two definitely would have helped because all those guys are three up saves, uh, one that's two up, um, and mortal wounds would have helped. Probably that's pretty much you, it. Matt ran across the table and, and just tabled me. You've got to try and pick one off at a time. But if they're all going towards one objective, you can't. There's no need for them to be separated out, is there? Well, that was the thing, is I almost had one off, and if I had that one off at that time, it would have been good, but then he, uh, yeah, I mean, I rolled 2d6 and I rolled an 11, which is pretty amazing, and I just happened to be one short, which was unfortunate, so Matt played it right, I don't necessarily think I played it wrong, might sound like spilt milk, but Matt's a good player and he beat me, so I can't really say much more than that. So yeah, so Lee, do you want to talk about your round four and five? Yeah, I'll, I'll went through four and five, so four will be a bit longer. So uh, round four, I drew Fraser, and um, 
with his nose on it. Yeah, and I think if you were going to face that army, it was in this mission because the the twist I think as we talked about was that in that first round all spells were limited to twelve inches. So, um, so yeah, definitely helps out. Uh, I put the woods at the front of the middle deployment, so and then chose to deploy in the corner myself because I out uh, I got to go first. So the idea there was to push Fraser as far back with his spellcasters as I could um, and have me as far away as I could as well to keep me away from his mortal wound spells because I don't know if you knew this but Sylvaneth are susceptible to mortal wounds. But, um, I've heard a rumour. Yeah, yeah, it's more than a rumour. Uh, <laughs> so, so that went all right. Uh, the table had a massive chunk of uh, Mystic in the middle as well so uh what i tried to do was funnel um fraser's um knights down one channel and that that channel would then have all my woods and stuff in there so i took first turn um didn't uh roll for the treasures nothing happened uh then i put down some woods so one side of the table wasn't too great and the other one would I mean, everything would come down that, that channel. So you'd have to go through some woods there and I could sort of defend it and there was mystic, uh, mystical terrain in the middle. So that was going okay. Uh, my first mistake was that I did the bale wind then and I did that right in my deployment zone, which was great for that initial putting the woods out because it was an auto-cast almost. But then it, later game, it meant that there was a wizard on a bale wind who was pretty useless too far away from everything. Uh, but the rest of the time, I uh, dropped the dryads in the gap in the channel and uh, buffed up the hunters, moved everything up, uh, my allies, around the other flank so that because uh, I knew they were quick, so if he did leave a gap, I could try and fling down there. And like I say, because the treasures hadn't gone off, it was not much else to do on the first turn, so it was his go. He buffed his knights, that takes forever because there's so many buffs that go on them. Um, uh, moved them up, rolled, obviously rolled for the treasures, nothing happened there. Uh, and that priority, I got the priority. And all I did was move the dryads up to stop and charge them into the knights so that they wouldn't get their bonuses on the charge. I'd also put Mystic Shield on them. so. Uh, and like I say, uh, that was pretty much turn two for me. Yeah? Um, there wasn't much else going on because the treasures hadn't come out again. Uh, Fraser, I think, was taken a bit surprised by how uh, how good dryads are around Wildwoods. So they at this when he had his, he was fighting with his knights. Uh, they are minus one to hit because they were near a Wildwood. Uh, they had Mystic Shield and greater than twelve, so they are three up. And I put inspiring presence on them, so they managed to save most of the attacks the knights had got through um, without dropping below twelve. So they kept that save, and then by withdrawing all the ones that weren't in the cover, when it came to his turn, I was then in cover, but he was still within three inches, so he couldn't get his bonus to charge. Um, the other mistake I did here was I dropped the hunters behind the dryads so i and that meant i could only get two of them 
in fighting over the top of the knights. So while they were doing damage, they weren't doing that much damage. Uh, so what I should have done was came at them from the flank so that all six could have gone through the knights. But um, like I said before, I'm quite defensive as a player anyway. So it, but yeah, but anyway. Uh, so we just started, that was pretty much it. No one had, could get their wizards in range to do any spells. And it was just a grind between the Chaos Knights and the Dryads. And that went through all of turn three. The, uh, the treasures weren't found. I won priority going into force, so I took it. And by then, both of us are having heart attacks because we know that whoever wins, whoever finds the treasure on the six is pretty much on the game because we can't overcommit just in case you do win it. So by the time someone finds it, it's going to be really hard to get across the table. Um, I roll like three, uh, three or four out of five or something for my treasures and nothing really goes on there. By now, he's down to like four or five knights. Uh, dryads have gone, but the hunters are now moved up. Goes to his, so it's the bottom of turn four. First two, no six. Second one, uh, the last one's cocked. He re-rolls it and there comes the six. And I'm thinking that's, that's the game then. There's no way I can get across the table um, and get through the Roticus and the Glockkin and get and have things survive to get through. But um, he castles up, leaves a little gap. So in, in round five, I fling everything forward, but there was, yeah, it was too late and there was no way that I could get anything that close. Uh, so yeah, so it was a really tense game all the way up to that fourth because it we both knew it, it came down to who would roll for the treasure. Yeah, and that's sort of what I was talking about <clears throat> earlier about the whole like, the whole treasure coming is like, it's a good and bad thing. You know, if it comes early, it's good because like in my game with Matt, it gives both players equal opportunity and in, in my case the second dice roll of the game so you can't get much more fucking sooner than that gives both players equal opportunity to strategize throughout the game and then fight for that but if it comes on the opposite scale at the end it's almost like who dares wins you know sort of do you sort of go aggro and almost hope that it drops in your opponent's deployment or do you just sort of sit there casting up sort of saying you know i'll I'll flinch when you sort of flinch sort of routine. So that this is sort of one of the missions that I didn't really like because it's so swingy. And it, um, it was a really you, you good... might have played them off the table, but it comes down to the sort of end result, just to a dice roll. But I it mean, we play a game of dice. So. It was a really good game because it was so tense, if you know what I mean, and the drama was building up all the way through. But like we talked about earlier on, I, I found with uh, Fraser's List or Nurgle in general, you have to hit them really hard or not at all. So even if I'd have put a unit forward to try and put a bit of pressure on, he would have just picked that off with all his mortal wound spells. So there was there was nothing else you could do but just grind it out. And like if no one had found the treasure, uh, I think I could have been on for a minor victory because I'd taken off 15 of his knights and he'd only taken off uh, like 200 points worth of dryads. But as soon as the treasure came up, there, yeah, it was definitely much like, and then he just withdrew everything and castled up. So there was like, I think it was like the Glockkin, a war shrine, and Roticus sitting on on the on the treasure, 
and there was no way that one little tree lord ancient with a <laughs> on his own was going to go through that. Yeah, I sort of came over towards the end, and I was like, "Where's the objective?" And it, I think it was under the war shrine. Yeah, and under Rodigus the war shrine, right there. Rodigus. And I was just thinking, how the fuck is Lee going to get there? Because it's most models within three. If he just moves the war shrine, plants Rodigus on it, you're not going to be within three inches, you know. So the only way I could have done it would have been because uh, of the six-inch piling with the tree revenant. Um, but they were yeah, the... but even then the bases that he had on top of it was so big that they're almost pushing you outside of three inches. But yeah, I, I when yeah. I measured it, I could have got five tree revs in, but then they would have had to um, like uh, take the attack coming back, which was never yeah. going to happen. So yeah, I'll go straight on to my round five uh, where uh-huh. uh, I played uh, Matt V and his zombie dragons and. Um, Oh, yeah, tell me about those zombie dragons. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much what you said. <laughs> so round five was sort of the same deployment as round four, uh, but the player who went first got to choose where they played. Uh, one of the objectives was in the middle, and the player who went first got to choose where he put a second objective, and the other player was put in the far corner, essentially. Uh, yeah, so you find over three objectives. It's, it's like three places of power. Heroes and behemoths control it, but it's just sort of you pick where to go instead of just being, you know, across the middle. Sorry, Lee, go on. Yeah, no, uh, I played this really badly, and Matt played this really well. I was completely done after the game with uh, uh, with Fraser, and um, he just steamrolled me, I think. Uh, in hindsight, I should have put all my shooting units as far away from his... Um, zombie dragons and just try and pick off wounds here and there over the time but instead I decided to try and feed the shoot uh, the, the shooting units to his zombie dragons to hold them up so they couldn't get to my objective so um, yeah no, it, I managed to kill I think one zombie dragon two zombie dragons over the time but um, like, like you say that, that potion or chalice or whatever he drinks just kept bringing them back yeah Matt, Matt just knows how to play armies and know how to play against armies so he just yeah it's just steamrolled me um i vote uh, i gave him my best game vote mainly because i was deploying like a muppet and he was being um very gentlemanly about it so uh yeah, it was good it's, it's always fun playing matt still yet to beat him yeah yeah no i i enjoy playing matt he's fucking crisp with his rules he's super quick and he's on point and he he's just he's very clear as to what he's doing well, yeah, um, and just yeah. a, just a quick point to sort of touch on what you said earlier and then also sort of something um, that I sort of picked up from what you said. Correct me if I'm wrong. But earlier you said you sort of need to focus down one of those dragons to, to kill it off entirely before you start focusing on the second one, which I, which I totally agree with. Um, I don't know if he did this in your game, but he did this in my game and sort of what I picked up is it sounds like he might have done Whereas he feed, you have four dragons on the board but he feeds you them in such ways that you can only maximize damage on sort of, on not even on one of them. So, like, you'll put one in range of your shooters and then one in range of your melee, so you're sort of forced to split and, and sort of and go from there. And that's what I found with him, is that he, he had sort of four on my face, but the way they deployed him um, meant that I was only sort of applying maximum damage to... Well, I wasn't even applying maximum damage because it was so spread. Um, so it's, it wasn't as easy as just going, oh yeah, just point and click at one, that's dead, point and click at two, it's dead. It, it, it wasn't at all. Well, the one he sent. And those three plus saves definitely help. Yeah, the one he sent into the line, 
um, he buffed up, so they were re-rolling hit, re-rolling wounds. Had a plus to hit, I think. So anything it hit, it, it even though that's the one he is sacrificing, it does so much damage to your own line that the next one that comes behind it um, will just walk through. Oh, yeah, he was charging me, and he's like, this guy's lance is like seven attacks. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, his seven attacks. Uh, it does three damage, it's three one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then and then I've got these big ass jaws, and they've got like four attacks or three attacks, and um, and they're into and they're six damage. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. uh, the only thing so, I, yeah, so yeah, no, was I was good. doing that uh, tactical retreat, I think it is, where like they the first one went into the hunters, and I think he smashed three hunters off in one go or two, and then one went to battle shock, I think. So I just uh, teleported them the other side of the board, and then just started to regrow them, and then brought them back but um yeah no it, i say uh i played really badly matt has always played really well so um yeah i'd like to have another go uh, at that list um but we'll see what happens yeah no and no, i'm sure you'll have the opportunity to considering it's one of his painted armies um, <laughs> and, <laughs> one of the two and, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly and um and now that AOS 2 is almost here yeah <laughs> And now that AOS 2 is almost here, and, and Death is one of the newer books, which was written with AOS 2 in mind, um, yeah, I think he will, I think he'll see it a bit more often. So, so Sean, how about you give us your game four, and then how about you drop a big spoiler on game five as to who you played? We'll go from there. Yeah, right, sounds good. Uh, so game four, I had, I had Nicky. <clears throat> um, I'd actually never played Nick before, and we've both been in the scene for quite some time, so, I was pretty pumped to play him, um, especially with Iron Draws. He's a solid opponent. Yeah, no, Nick, Nick was awesome to play. Um, yeah, it, it was really cool. I haven't played Iron Draws in ages as well. Um, not in the bigger, not on the bigger, uh, points value compared to Vanguard the week before. <clears throat> uh, so, I think I won the roll. I took the long side. Um, Nick took the short side. <clears throat> and it was very aware of what my list does and how it works and how I teleport the chosen around and um, sort of go value for value, um, throw my unit, suicide unit at something worth more than it is and sort of go one for one like that. Um, and he did a really good job screening everything. Uh, I think he made a, a really big mistake here and I think he realized it um, come about ten, turn two, but he got his 20 odd boys and he spread them out across the width of the battlefield. So, um, what, 48 inches across or whatever it is, um, more or less. So I couldn't get through there and then sprinkled his heroes throughout the back. And I sat there with my tradie eye and I looked at the back of the board and he knew what he was doing. So I didn't, I didn't really point it out to him, but I was looking at it going, I think I can fit a unit there. I think I can fit a unit there. And then I took first turn and, uh, turns out I could fit a unit there. Um, Put 10 Chosen on the back of the board, charge him straight into the Maw Crusher. And um, Nick got a bit lucky. I rolled four, uh, 15 ones, I think, on my hit rolls. Um, I was hitting on twos. And I went, oh, fuck. I'm not going to kill this Maw Crusher in one go like they probably should do. Um, so I think he survived on 12 wounds um, taken. So he had two wounds left. Uh, then it was over next turn. He rolled a one on Miskal with his Brutes, which was uh, the unit that was going to crush the Chosen. Um, so they sort of just flailed about there and then took the 
took the more crusher off in the combat phase. So not not really how I wanted it to work out, but it worked out in the end. Um, then I won the priority roll for turn two and charged my... Mar- I think I actually flew them with Sal over to the very left-hand side of the board. Um, and then I moved another unit of Marauders to the very right-hand side of the board. And what I did was I charged the left-hand side unit and then I left the right-hand side unit four or five inches away from his uh, from his Ard boys. So what that meant was that he was pinned on one side of the board, not meaning to hurt him or do anything in combat, and then pinned on the other side of the board since he has to move towards the closest unit. Um, and now he's got nothing that can fly. He's got 20 Ard boys standing his entire way across the board, so he couldn't move anywhere. And he was just pinned in his backboard trying to stop me sell, uh, throwing things in there with Sal. Um, and yeah, I think that's when Nick got a little bit stuck there. Um, so I threw some units in here and there and, and chipped away at the back, but we didn't actually roll the, um, I was playing kind of hesitantly for that, uh, for that objective and throughout all six, all five rounds, we didn't roll the treasure at all. So that was a pain in the ass. Um, it got me pretty nervous on next turn five when he got to, when I noticed that he could roll for for two of those treasures. Uh, so I blood tithed in the start of his turn five uh, before he rolled for the objectives and just moved, retreated uh, Marauders so I had enough on his objective so he wasn't he wasn't controlling it, so he couldn't roll the dice. Um, it's pretty, it pretty sneaky. That's a fucking... Yeah, it was a... It's, it's the, it... it was a sneaky blood tithe manoeuvre that Sean and Lee, you've both seen... Um, pop, uh, pop yeah, apparently it's shit, but you can pull some jammy shit that, um, especially in other people's hero yeah. phases, it really fucks with their plan. Um, you killed oh. the Lord Ancient. The, 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 the amount of times uh, you, you used yeah. that crap on me before, you pulled everything off the uh, objective and then just smashed them. Yeah. yeah, the amount of times that I've played you, Sean, and you've just fucking eyeballed me turn three or four and been like, hey. Do you have anything that happens at the start of your hero phase? And I'm like, this motherfucker. <laughs> this motherfucker. <laughs> Everyone's like, I don't have a fucking I'm like, no. I'm like, no. You're like, I'm a blood tie of you, bitch. And I'm like, you, you're a what? And you're, I'm a blood tie of you. And then all of a sudden, like, fucking plans go at the wazoo. And I'm like, sweet. This is, yeah. Anywho, I heard it's a shit allegiance ability. So go on. Keep going. Yeah, pretty good for stopping charges and uh, cheeky shit like that. Um, but yeah, that, that settled the game there because he couldn't, he couldn't roll it, the objective. Um, and I had more kill points than him pretty, pretty noticeably at that point. Um, so that, that was how me and, me and Nikki's game ended. There was no scenario. It was pretty much just a good old corn versus iron jaws punch each other in the face, which is fun. Uh, and then game five. So it's always good. That game. Always good when I get to play, um, play Sean at a tournament and find out who's, who <laughs> the real big Sean is here. And, um, Alpha I, Sean. I'll tell you one thing. It's not you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, why don't you, wait nothing's in my ear and tell me how the game went. And then I'll tell you how I done fucked up. Uh, so I done fucked up at the start um, with our deployments. Oh yeah! <laughs> every time, Freaking. every time we play, I forget about Sean's fucking heralders, and I go and put my blood crater on on some terrain. So he's got a two up save, and he's not going to get shot off by no stupid judicators. 
Um, and they look over to his side of the board and see that stupid trumpet standing there. Um, so I put six heroes, I think. Five heroes and a unit chosen all standing on one piece of terrain. And I only had four yep. drops and you've got about 500. And I went, fuck, I have to take first yep. turn now. Um, and move everything off the terrain and run stuff up the board towards the objective. Um, purely, purely because I messed up so badly with that, um, that deployment and thinking it was going to save my ass. And you take turn two, throw your heralder down. And I think you're on a six, didn't you, for the, the trumpet range? Yeah, yeah. So and you he, pretty much looked at me and I was like, go on, give me the turn. And you're like, nah. <laughs> and, and yeah, you, you ran everything pretty much as far away from this piece of center as you could. Um, and then I dropped my bad boy and uh, he rolled a six and we would just. And just clipped everything. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, yeah. not again. Yeah. I was like, sell, free mortal wound. Lots of credit, two mortal wounds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was looking all good. It was looking good. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only safe one was the Corn Lord that boosted up the board towards that objective. Um, everybody else got spanked by those mortal wounds. Um, yeah. And then you won the double, didn't you? No, no, no. I think you oh. won. You won oh, the I got, right. I got 10 to three. That's right. Um, because I was sitting there, like, mentally masturbating, being like, fucking win the double. Toot off Sal and all his other heroes. Um, but no, you got it and you got those, um, you did the janky blood letters across the board edge so I couldn't get on. Yeah, that's right. So, um, that, that hero phase, like I, I sailed onto your hero there, eh? Uh, with the chosen. Yeah. And yeah. then. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. Slapped him about and then moved in the movement phase since I have so many bodies and, um, Sean had the long edge. I'm allowed to put them down his edges but not in his territory. So I pretty much got 30 yep. blood letters and just went down the board like dit, 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 dit. So Sean could only deploy in about nine inches at the very, very, very back of the board. Um, and then on the opposite board, you worked Marauders down yeah, the other Yeah, and then I had the Marauders down the other side to um, stop anything coming on the other side. Um, just to get some space yep. between my Lord that was holding the point and, um, and your stuff that wasn't in the sky. Um, yep. You've got that... Uh, your turn, you dropped the Judicators, was it? To shoot Sal off? Yeah, yeah, my, my turn to drop Judicators, shot Sal off, that was, no, you I got him down to one to, wound yeah. and then I won the double. Yeah, I think yeah. you did yeah. five wounds or something. Um, as you might have got six or seven through, and I saved a couple with the, um, the War Shrine, and you got five through, yeah, he's fucking dead. I'm like, nah, mate, he's got six wounds. You're like, oh, you're yeah. joking. Nah. <laughs> I was so enraged. <laughs> I was just like, no. Um, yeah, and then, um, and I had, and, and Sean had these 30 sort of blood letters as well. And the whole point is that your heroes scored the objectives. And there was an objective bang in the middle of the board, which is, his mighty lord was on. Um, and he charged his 30 blood letters into my heralder, who was standing nine inches sort of off that objective. But he charged him in such a way that they sort of wrapped around close to his objective, wrapped around my hero, and then also had a presence on the board edge, which pretty much just effectively shut it off half the board for me to deploy on. Um, I won turn three and brought all my judicators and shit onto the backboard, um, and shot you from about as far as they could. 
you took some casualties and said that's cool. You're not attacking me. Um, oh, this is when I pulled the sneaky herald move on you, which you quite liked, uh, where I lightning chariot up my heralder with one herald, the, the relic to and zap me, and then yeah. lightning charioted back. I was like, that was sick. <laughs> that was that was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, I had two relictors standing next to each other, and one casted lightning chariot on the other. Got it off, and then he dropped lightning storm on his hero, popped the model and make him minus one, and then lightning chariot him back. <laughs> are these um, the electors that are fairly priced at the moment? Yeah, eighty points point. sounds about right, doesn't it? Uh, no, it sounds well fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it could be like one twenty, one forty going forward. It depends what they do with the prayers. If they if they keep it two prayers in one twenty, one forty. Yeah, the daughter daughters um, of Cain are limited to one from the book, but they can do their wall scroll prayers as many times. So I feel like maybe that's yeah, my, they're only like sixty yeah. points. Oh, they're more broken than the fucking relictors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I I went into turn two, shot off some bloodletters, killed a unit chosen, I think almost. Uh, then turn three, I charged my heroine to his. I charged my general, uh, my general into his general, and uh, I think we got you down to one or two wounds. I think you did. And four. then we had this discussion because. Yeah. I didn't have King Claude, and you're like, if you had King Claude, you would have killed me just then. Because I rolled a six um, for the Drake off wounds, I didn't have King Claude, which is ring three. Um, and then Sean just turned around and did, is it three mortal wounds when you roll a five or six? Yeah, so wound? if I roll a, uh, a six on the wound roll, it's just three mortal wounds flat with that uh, that artifact. Yeah. And he just turned around and sort of just yeah. bopped you square yeah. in the face. Yeah. Pretty much, Sean just turned around and bulked me at the bottom of turn three, and I just looked at him and said, that's game. And Sean was like, yep, because all my heroes are at the back of the board. And, and you score, the way you score it is you score one point for the objective. But if you'd been on it the previous turn, you'd, you'd score three points. So I was scoring one objective, and then from turn two onwards, I was scoring three points for that one objective. And then Sean was scoring... uh he was holding two objectives, scoring one point for him in the, in the first battle round, and then from turn two one was scoring two. So pretty much it was mathematically turn three. I had to kill him and then survive the rest of the game to catch up. Um, so from that point on, we were just playing for kill points, and nothing really happened from there onwards. I shot off some heroes, just looked for the kill point kills, um, and and then Sean won, and that was really about it. And Sean was the winner at the end of the day, which is pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Sean. <laughs> Um, so that, so in the end, I land up with two major wins and three major losses, which is my worst performance ever at a tournament. Uh, Sean, bro, I think I got you would have said two major were... wins and a minor win on the treasure hunt because the objective doesn't come down. Uh-huh. So that makes it my worst tournament as well. Um, yep. And then, <laughs> and then Lee Shining Hope with his best tournament. Was that right, Lee? Uh, second best. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so this was three major wins, I think. So, but uh, three yeah. majors and two minor. Major yeah. Wins. Uh, yeah. So we yeah. had um. So just quickly to run through the results. So Fraser, Mister um, Maggot Ken himself, who just dick punches way to the top of the table, uh, played all three of us and and won in sort of various stages. He finished uh with max, max victory. So he had five major victories. Uh, he had. 7,510 kill points um, out of 10,000. Uh, then Matty B uh, had four major wins and one major loss. He also lost to Fraser. Uh, he had the most kill points. He had 8,250. Uh, and then GCR Boy uh, from Palmy, who won the tournament, the Vanguard and the Hut, the 
previous podcast, uh, came third with his scryer. Um, he had 37 victory points, which is the same as the lead, but he had uh, 6,380 kill points, which is roughly 1,500 points or 1,300 points more than Lee. Um, so had Jesse bet Fraser at the end, it really would have shaked up the table. Uh, then Lee finished fourth. Uh, Aiden finished fifth. Sean, our man here, is now reigning big Sean, uh, finished fifth. Um, then we had Brendan, the other Silver Neff player, finished seven. Cameron, who we didn't talk about, uh, Seraphon player, finished seventh. Uh, no, sorry, Cameron finished eighth, sorry. Um, and then myself finished ninth, uh, which, as I said, boys tournament result, um, is what it is. Uh, it's funny how compact the field was, though. Other than Fraser, who was sort of head and shoulders above everyone else, if I had a major one in that last game, I would have finished fourth. Uh, or if I had ma- if I had three major wins, I would have finished fourth. If I had four major wins, I would have finished um, second, if not possibly first, depending on Fraser's results. Uh, then Nick, Nicky, the guy who ran the event, uh, 10th. Uh, Matty Watkinson, his worst result in New Zealand. Um, he wasn't overly happy. He was thinking about maybe going back to the bench after this, but I think he did well, finished 11th. And then Steph, our drunken American friend who falls down the stairs. And that's how it turned out. So we're 12 players, which isn't bad considering no one in Napier plays Asia Sigma. So the whole event had to travel uh, four, to, four to two hours to get there, which is pretty cool. Um, best painter went to Matty Watkinson, which was uh, pretty funny because um, he got he got what was it, eleven out of twelve yeah. votes, and the only vote he didn't get was his own because he voted for someone else, <laughs> which I think is the way to go about it. Um, best sports went to Lee, uh, so our friend Lee here got um, yeah. he got joint best sports. So he, um, I'm just going to drop this in here because no, I, hey, it I doesn't count until I see that trophy on your wall there, Sean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's only one trophy, mate. I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> but but Lee and Def got point. Uh, sorry, joint best sports, and then Lee won the roll off um, and claimed it. But that's a fucking humbling trophy, I must say. Um, I don't. I normally get sort of one sports vote, if that. But um, got a got a few this time as well as the other lads, and that was fucking. That was really cool. Considering I was hungover and I was pretty salty sometimes. Uh, best themed army went to Seth who was the Beast Claw Raiders army. Uh, so his army was very coherent because it was all sort of Beast Claw Raiders. He had this awesome ice theme going on. He set his army up on this ice board um, for best vote, which was awesome. Uh, and then high, highest kill points went to Matty B, uh, which was the four zombie dragons. Uh, so again, 8,250 kill points out of a possible 10,000. Um, and, and that was Nikon, the last Age of Sigma 1, or whatever you want to call it, um, events in New Zealand. Um, anything else to add, guys, about the event itself? No, I think oh, it went bloody... Or it how you listened yeah. or whatever. It was going to be a hard tournament because uh, all the players that went are really good players and there, was, there wasn't one weak list in that in that out of the 12. Yeah, I think... I think it's I, a match-up. I think all the 12 players that went there are pretty common, sweaty um, tournament players, so um, there wasn't a single <laughs> game that was going to be <laughs> <laughs> um, So yeah, that was pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. Um, it was a good way to sort of send off AOS one. Um, it was great to see eleven other mates and um, have a good time, and that was um, 
And that was fun. And I think people had a sort of, I think people had a sneaky sort of serious feeling about it where there was people like me who were just like, oh, well, some guys, I'm getting a new book in a couple, in like a month. I don't give a fuck. But when you got to the table, you're sort of in a competitive side came out. And as soon as Fraser just went across the board, punched me in the deck, I was just like, well, that's my tournament con, you know, <laughs> like, well, I, I can't win from here on out. Um, but you still want to finish as good as you can, but, um, but it is what it is. You know, I, I learned that my list needs, um, if I'm going to play combat armies instead of debuffing them so they can't hit me, maybe I need something that can kill them. So I need more rend and I need a um, mortal wound output, but, but yeah, sort of every project's on the shelf until we get, um, all the rules from AOS too. And my new book. Yeah, that, my my list went as well as I could have uh, expected it. I think the core of it, it's just one of those things. Now I've found a decent core um, uh, of the army. Uh, there's a few little bits to tweak, but now with version 2 coming out, the whole thing's going to get reworked. Yeah, how did you um? How did you find the Doomfires in your list? I, I love them. I think they're fantastic, uh, but I feel like maybe they'd put a, a a good change into Sylvaneth with some ranged mortal wounds. Yeah, it, I think it's you just need to play test. I think you need to use them behind your like uh, to protect them a bit because when there's five of them, you're doing the D six mortal wounds. Uh, but then as soon as one of them yeah you know, gets taken out and they're quite squishy, uh, you go down to D three. With their uh, with their, their range spell, yeah, and they're so, fast enough to keep up the Sylvania Thay with that fourteen inch movement. Yeah, yeah, fourteen inch movement's really good, uh, and in Null Root as well, that they know that uh, the additional spell, so uh, they can always bring back a, a hunter, so you can chase them that way. I, I'd keep them. I'd drop the prosecutors and put in another way watcher for for range. But I think yeah, the Doomfires are yeah. I just want to see what happens for version two, but if it they stay the same points, I'd, I'll get some of them definitely. I think the issue is as well with them is that uh, in AOS, unlike 40k, I don't know how much you guys know about 40k, but in 40k you have the movement phase first, and then you have the hero phase or psychic phase, as it's called. I, I think it is. So with a lot of you know, in match play, you're 24 inches away. Um, but then if you have the first turn, unless you're on the gash or some order change of an artifact, you only got an 18 inch cast range. So all those offensive spells just go out the window. So why having that <clears> movement's <throat> awesome? Um, it's not as effective as it. Uh, I'm wondering if they're going to change the turn order. I doubt they will. Cause from what I understand, I didn't play a lot of old Warhammer Fantasy Battle. So jump in if I'm wrong. Um, because I sort of came back just after the end times or as the end times was happening and you said movement then. So if you could move that sort of 14 inches and then dump spells from 18 inches out, that'd be awesome. And especially because they're increasing the casting, uh, the, the, what is it, unbinding range, the spell yeah. range to 30 inches. And they've, they've got a, a little 10 inch shooting attack now as well. But, um, they're, they're like crossbows, said, they're, yeah. They're quick and, yeah, they're quick enough to keep up with the army. They've got a decent spell. Uh, and, you know, they still know Mystic Shield, although that's all going changing. Um, and so really, they want the bottom of turn one without being hit in the first turn. Yeah, that well, yeah, you, you need to protect them a bit. I think I was using them a little too far forward, so you'd normally get one spell off, and then people would realise how good they were, and then would target them. Whereas if I just oh. held, 
yeah, if I'd held them back a little bit with their 18 inch range and then move them and then set up for the next turn would have been better. Yeah, but I mean, I do the same. I'm like, there's four units around that piece of scenery. I'm going to drop my heralder <laughs> and fuck them up. And, yeah. and, I, and I do for like a turn. And then everyone's like, fuck that noise. Yeah. We're going to kill those guys. Yeah. So yeah, the one guy that can get your fulminators charging again. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Throw, yeah. Throwing him away so again. I can't tie you up anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That was me consistently yeah. over the weekend. And I don't know if that was because I was fucking got to the table and saw a fucking juicy target or if I just got to the table and I was hungover as fuck or if I just am a bit of a retard but probably a bit of a bit of all of those you know mixed up. I think I think run running a unit of 10 would be amazing because like it's flat six damage from their spell yeah. and then even if someone starts Until one dies. It off, yeah. yeah with the yeah, daughters of Cain you can fling them across the board too with their teleport nine inches yeah. away so you uh-huh. You can just take a hero off straight away. But yeah, and like you say, if one dies, you just go down to D6, but you then they've got to kill another four before you drop to D3. Yeah, and there's still two wins yeah, apiece. Yeah, and Yeah, and they're really, like, they're, they're great for trying to snatch that uh, objective right at the end as well, if you can keep them back. So yeah, I, I think I'm going to use them again. Hmm. No, I, I, I found, I like I said, well, the prosecutor's movement was great, and the fly was awesome. They, their shooting attack just wasn't consistent enough compared to the Waywatcher, who is just amazing. You keep if you don't move him, he hits on twos, and five and sixes are extra hits. So he was no, doing no. more damage on his own than that whole unit. No, but you didn't highlight the worst points of the prosecutor's league, which is. Uh... You painted trying to keep him? coherency. <laughs> well, no, not that I painted him, you motherfucker. They're trying to keep coherency with that one-inch base, and they're all fucking huddling around, giving each other high fives. It's bullshit. Yeah. Um, Luckily, they keep they, they fall over so much that they get into one-inch oh. coherency just by falling on top of each other. Mate, you put them near a hill, and they just all slide, and it's fucking horrible. It's so horrible. But yeah. Um. Anywho, so. Finished Nikon, uh, heard the results, so that shook up the rankings a little bit in New Zealand here. So I'm just going to run through the top 11, because one of us yeah. probably is number 11, so I thought I'd do him a solid. <laughs> <laughs> no no spoilers, but I think no, you just no. heard who he is. Uh, so we have we have 82 people on the rankings at the moment in New Zealand, individual unique people, which is pretty cool. I think that's more than we've had in the previous two years. Um, so that's really cool that, that the scene's growing. And we have, um, if, if you don't know much about New Zealand, we're two islands. Well, we're more than that, but two main islands. We've got the North Island, which is where we're all from. Uh, it's where the civilized people live. And then we've got the South Island, which is, um, slightly like dirty south, I guess you'd say. Um, and one of these cities in the South Island, Christchurch, has been blowing up this year with Age of Sigma. Uh, previously haven't heard much out of Christchurch. Um, I could just be ignorant, but. Honestly, haven't heard much out of Christchurch, but this year they've smashed out about five tournaments, and they've had like sort of uh, in the mid teens to twenty players um, coming each tournament, and they seem to be having tournaments every three to four weeks, which is fucking awesome. So hats off to Christchurch, well done, lads. Uh, hope to see you up in the north soon, and we also hope to have some guys travelling from north down to south to see you guys soon. So that'd be really cool. Um, I'm mentioning that because one of the lads from from down south, I assume he's from Christchurch. Again, me being ignorant, not fact-checking. 
um, is, is actually number two in the rankings, so good on him. So number one, we got Medi B, uh, so four zombie dragons. Uh, number two, we got Ben R, who um, is running Seraphon by the looks of it. He's got the Seraphon badge. Uh, number three, we got Ben R, who was um, at Vanguard the other week. Uh, so he's number three, he's finished with some good solid wins. Number four, we got um, uh, our main man here, the main Sean. Uh, not me. Big <laughs> uh, <laughs> little Sean, he's, he's identity fluid. Um, so don't you fucking <laughs> label him, you heteronormative fucks. Um, he does what he wants. So he's number four at the moment. Then we've got Rex F at number uh, five. And then we've got Jesse, our man who came third this weekend and then won the weekend before. Uh, with his with his clan scry at number six, uh, we got Fraser who won this weekend, um, and I can't remember his other results. Sorry, Fraser at number seven. Uh, then we got myself at number eight uh, with the Stormcast icon, because um, I'm the only guy who plays Stormcast in New Zealand apparently. <laughs> number nine, we got Ali. Um, he's a lad from down south, I assume, because I'm not familiar with the name. Uh, he's got the faction leader order icon, so good on him. Uh, number 10, we've got Jimmy P, uh, Mr. James P, uh, who has only been to two tournaments, um, but he's still stuck into the top 10. Uh, so in New Zealand, uh, to have 100 points in a tournament, to get 100 points from a tournament for rankings anyway, you have to go to a 30-plus player tournament. Uh, so Jimmy P won BellyCon, which was in January this year, which has been the only 30-plus tournament this year. So he got 100 points from that. And then he won a cheeky one day uh, um, a couple of weeks ago, which gave him another 64-odd points. Uh, so it scales from there. So if you get to 50-plus players, you get 100 points, and then it scales from down there. I know in the UK, I think it's sort of like if you get 100 players, you get 100 points. Don't know what it is in Australia. Um, it used to be a lot less. It used to be about 12 players in New Zealand, but um, we sort of set the goals high to you know aim high, achieve high sort of thing. Um, and then number 11 is friend of the podcast, Lee. With the icon. The icon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Lee uh, fought tooth and nail for the Sylvan F icon. I got um, it last week and... for four hours. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. And then some guy overtook you. And then 12th yeah. we got Joel, and 15th we got Mitch, and 14th we got Nikki, who we mentioned earlier. And then there's just fucking 60 other people who I'm not going to name. Um, so that's, that's what the rankings are sending at, at the moment. Uh, for Masters, I'm a little impaired right now, so please don't quote me on this, but I think it's the sort of top 20 getting an invite, um, about a month out from the event. Uh, if you decline within that first week, then it sort of trickles down to the next until you have 20 filled or until you have even numbers filled. Uh, so last year I think it was maybe 12 or 14 players who went to Masters, and this year it's sort of open to the top 20. And we'll go from there. So the idea is to get into the top 20. I believe the first round um, is seeded. So if you finish first, you'll be playing the bottom in that sort of 20 rank. Um, and so on and so forth. So obviously you want to finish high. And that way you can hopefully play um, someone who's not as good for the first round. And then from the first round onwards, sorry, from the second round onwards, it's Swiss ranked. Um, so that's that's how we run it over here in Little Old New Zealand. So with that cool. said, lads, uh, is there? Uh, oh, I guess I should quickly cover off the rest of the events in in New Zealand at the moment. Um, so, so probably the next, well, not probably, 
the next event we have coming up is uh, CavCon down in Australia, which is on the 23rd of June. Sorry, not down in Australia, down in Christchurch. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I've had a couple of gins. <laughs> and words are becoming very hard. But it's two weeks from time of recording, probably be about a week and a half by the time I release this. Uh, so it's down in Australia. So that actually will probably be the last event, the Sigma <laughs> 1 event. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then the first event after AOS 2, assuming AOS 2 drops on the 30th of June, is Warhost in Hamilton, which is a bitch of a place to get to. Um, and it's on the 7th of July. So assuming, assuming AOS 2 is the 30th of June, it's exactly a week after. We have, I believe it's about 24 players signed up to that. So we'll all be flying blind. It's going to be like the Wild West. It's going to be quite fun. It's going to be a bit crazy. We'll see what happens. Uh, following that, we have Call to Arms, which is traditionally one of the biggest events in New Zealand um, on the 4th and 5th of August. So that's roughly a month afterwards. That's in Wellington. Uh, it's a good time. It's held at a big old college. Um, afterwards, we normally go get drinks. We go get hammered. We have a lot of people traveling. Uh, Fraser owns like a penthouse. We can all go to his place and, and get in for mischief. And that's it's a good fucking time. Uh, so if you're coming from out of town, let us know. We'll make sure we're good hosts. Um, if you want to regulars, let us know. We'll probably already know you're coming. We'll see you then. Uh, what else do we have? We have the Palmy Double, Sean. Do you want to speak to Wendy? Yeah, I uh, can't remember the date exactly, but September, start of September, 7th or 9th, I think. Um, still waiting on that players pack for AOS to AOS 2 to be all cleaned up, and then um, I'll just finish it off and chuck that out there. So we should have a pretty good turnout from who's keen so far. A lot of people have teamed up. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it's probably a good sort of 12 or so teams from what I understand. Yeah, so 24 players, something what? like that, sounds sounds about right so far. I think you'll end up with How much can the venue uh, hold, you know? Plenty, plenty, especially just because it's um, four players to a table. Um, we got heaps of space yeah. in there. Gonna be lots of fucking bum touching that day. I, tell I will you, keep man. them real close, bum just so we, yeah. you know, we're a tight knit community like that. <laughs> Get a reaper <laughs> and put a dream on us and go, yes, yes, motherfucker. Seen <laughs> <laughs> that movie? Um, I'm not going to reference it anymore. Go watch the movie. You'll know what I'm talking about. Um, and then following Palmy Doubles, we have uh, a Capri event that Nikki runs. Nipticon. Uh, Nipticon. Yeah. Yep, that's almost sort of October. I think he's pushed it to November because of another event. Um, and then I think we have another event in Christchurch. I don't know the details, so I'm not going to speak too much on that. And then we have Masters in December, which is in Wellington again, which is awesome for us people who live down here. Sorry for people who have to travel. You'll get your day. Um, but, but this year, it's pretty cool. And I didn't go to Masters last year, so I'm looking forward to that, um, assuming I qualify. Pretty sure I will, but <laughs> assuming I'll, I'll qualify. Um, so that's it. So immediate plans, guys. What, what's on the, what's on the table? What's on the agenda for, for you lads? Corner titties. Corner titties all day. Corner titties. I'm not worried about AOS 2. I'm just building the stock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want to, you want to speak to your daughter's game? You sort of blew my dick uh, off last week when we had a bit of a yeah, drunk. Yeah. They're pretty fight. hammered on the Saturday night screaming about how stupid witch elves are. I think it's, um, maximum buffs. It's yeah. 480 damage is the maximum possible you can do with 30 witch elves. And that's 270 points. So um, that's pretty fucking stupid if you ask me. And that's in one Yeah, that's just one combat phase. Yeah, that's fucking stupid if you ask me. And and let's just 
again reinforce that that is the maximum. Yeah, so that's rolling every 120 every you know, sixes and then rolling all the wounds and no saves. That's um, 480 damage. Yeah. But to even be able to pump out that numbers is pretty silly. Yeah, so don't don't go listen to this podcast. You know, the four of you that are listening. <laughs> and then Daughters of Cain and then be like, that motherfucker on the podcast told me if I take this unit, I do 480 damage. No, it's not going to happen. But the fact that that unit of 270-odd points has the capacity to throw out such damage uh, seems seems a bit fucked up to me. But yeah, so you're pushing off the yeah, Daughters of Cain, and you'll no. see what happens when you put drops. Right, Lee? Uh, so I've uh, got Warhost, so we, we'll be travelling up for that one. I'm yep. painting Ilarial as we speak now, um, so she'll come probably for Warhost. And then I'm not sure about a new army. So working on Nurgle, looking at Deepkin, but I played Bo against his Deepkin a couple of weeks ago, and they seem quite similar to Sylvaneth, so I'm not sure if it's worth the change. But yeah, uh, yeah that's pretty much it so far. Yeah, so again, Nurgle I think is very strong. I think they're going to be a super power tier one army, whatever title you want to attach to it going forward. Uh, that's not because Fraser has spanked me twice with it, but that's because I've looked over the book, I've read some reviews, and um, and it seems a bit fucking broken with the the combat, the spells, the mortal wounds, the resilience. The really, it's just the whole slaves to darkness and being able to ally in sort of anything you want and giving it a mark and making it fucking way better. It's, it's, it's still, when you come from a faction that doesn't have that many units and then you start looking at, you know, you can just, what you can bring in without having to use alloy points. It's just amazing. Just so yeah. many different builds that you can do. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a great army. And I think we're going to see, I think, well, what I'm trying to say is I think Nurgle's going to be like the new Zench where people's like, fuck, that's broken, blah, blah, blah. Um, again, I haven't seen any Daughters of Cain armies on the table, so could easily be wrong. And I haven't seen any Idenf armies. Well, I haven't played any Idenf armies. So either of those two could easily come in. And when I played Matt's Death Army, well, it was a very sort of mono Death Army with four dragons. Um, that was also very powerful. Um, we just, we so, just don't know at the moment until we know what happens nah. in version two. Is it? Is it's like like yesterday? Uh, a load of us were talking about how good Chameleon Skinks could be in version two because they can just tag um, shooting units and. No. Yeah, we just don't know. Yeah, just deploy into combat and then be like, hey, what's up? Yeah. And you have to shoot five dumb wounds of yeah. million skinks, you know, before you can do anything else. Yeah. So that's so, fucking solid. But yeah, so for myself... Oh, sorry. Go on, Lee. No, no, go on. Off you. I was just going to say for myself, I'm sort of waiting with bated breath for more Stormcast news. We got the Stormcast Part 2 reveal the other day. Um, so... I've got a lot of ordinator here who's undercoated and I'll be painting them up. Um, the war machine looks good and bad. If I can stick it in some terrain, give it blessed weapons, put it near an ordinator, sounds pretty awesome. Uh, if I can't, it sounds about as good as judicators, so it depends on the points. If it comes out to be 140, it'll be a good deal. If it comes out 160, 180, there's better options. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, otherwise, I'm just waiting for my new Stormcast book which I'm a little upset, to be honest, that they haven't released a date for it yet. Although I assume 
Um, it will be shortly after the version drops, maybe one to two weeks after that. Um, and going from there, I'm also going to Warhost, going with Lee. We're going to make the drive up. Um, go to Warhost. That'll be interesting. That'll be the fucking Wild West of Age of Sigma. Um, I think it'll be the first tournament that any any TOs actually ever had to do any officiating at. They've had to make a couple of rules questions, maybe. Um, I don't know. I've done about three or four tournaments myself. <laughs> I've only ever been asked stupid shit. Like, can this do this? I'm like, no, you're you're trying to abuse something. That's, that's not how it works. You know, so that'll be interesting. Well, uh, the, and then uh, find that... We got to, we got like two days to make a list up of things, isn't it, or something stupid like that? Yeah. So we... assuming, assuming it drops again, this is all assumptions because I don't. If there has been an official date release, and again we're recording on the eighth of June, and it's getting quite late at night, and I've sunk a few gins. Um, so <laughs> just, just giving you context. <laughs> um, so I don't think there's been. We've got the pre-order date, which is um, is it the sixteenth? And um, we're all assuming it's coming out the 30th, which is two weeks after the 16th. So if it doesn't come out then, um, if it comes out a week after, then we'll have two weeks of the rules. But if it comes out in the 30th, I believe James has said he sort of wants this by the 2nd or 4th of July, which is Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, so yeah, we've all got a couple of days to make them. But however, uh, the rules will be in store. It depends what they do with the General's Handbook. Rules will be in store on the 16th and I'm hoping one of my mates uh, will take a bunch of pictures and then put them into a Dropbox folder for me and that'll be fucking sweet. Um, love you guys. Someone do that, please. <laughs> and then for the General's Handbook, I don't know when they're going to preview that because they might just hold it back to the 30th or if they hold it back to the week after, then we're all fucked um, because we won't have the rules. So it'll be really interesting. It'll be... I think everyone will just take fucking random lists and just do what they want really do you think it's going to yeah. change the meta much out here is it like new zealand's yeah. got a very uh like different meta to everywhere else yeah so as i've said we've got a very sort of combat meta uh, there's been a lot of magic coming through recently i mean you look at you look at the list that have won the last few tournaments so if you go back to valleycon it was a change host list which is spamming mortal wounds and abusing summoning. So obviously summoning is going to change with this, this new way going forward. And knowing Jimmy P, if he's still running fucking Zench, um, it's going to be just as abusive. He'll be summoning a lot of change every turn. Um, if he has his way, um, not first you know, turn, you get... second turn. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. What was, what was the rule? Sean? Well, you sort of white dwarf. You, you yeah, probably... just out of speculation, you can create blood type points with a slaughter priest. <laughs> so you can make, Four a turn, say, if you take four Slaughter Priests. Mm-hmm. So turn two, you can have a, a Bloodthirster for free. See, this way, I got all excited when they said Alarial could get one Tree Lord, one off a game, and you could you could get a Bloodthirster every two rounds. <laughs> well, you could probably get three or four by the time some stuff dies, can't you? Do you still get Blood Tithe every time yeah. you get it? Or is no, it just no. So I get one every time somebody dies, and then I can generate one per slaughter priest if I dedicate their prayer to that. Could you just take like a real small? Yeah, just marauders, just smack just... them in the dick until they fucking fall over. Don't put the banner down, make them battle shock. Well, well, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, chuck them near damn terrain. I know damn terrains change, but you still take run them through the woods. woods, and then yeah, but then also, can't you 
do a, a prayer yeah. on, on them as well? Can't you? Uh, no, I can't them? hurt my own yeah. unit, but I can do D three mortal wounds to my own unit to create uh, blood tithe points. Uh, yeah. So um, we'll see how that goes. I'm yeah. assuming that'll be limited to one. If it's not, you can probably expect me to have six slaughter priests and five bloodthirsters sitting on the side of the table. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> It just it just Absolutely. seems a little so, bit wrong. I mean, yeah, but, but yeah, it's also speculation at this point. <laughs> there, there probably will be some sort of. I mean, what I'm really fearful is like every other person having a fucking gash in their list now with having plus three or four to summon an unbind and be like, yeah, you ain't getting shit off against me. You know, it's like it's like a lot of change on steroids. Really. Yeah, lot of change learning the spells gonna. Especially Nurgle. I think Nurgle's going to get a little bit worse in AOS 2. They obviously made for AOS 2, but they don't really have any spell buffs to cast, yeah. and a lot of armies have spell debuffs to dis- dispel corn and Zench and all of death, basically. At 30 inches, it's going to be nasty. I think yeah. they know. Able- yeah. I mean, I can... Go on, Lee. Oh, I was just saying, like you say, you, you can dispel from 30 inches and you've got things like spell weavers that have an auto decast or rune lords with the plus two. So, yeah, I think any magic army is going to take a bit of a, a, a there's a bit more of a counter to them. I mean, we don't really know what we don't know, in all honesty. It sounds like a stupid statement, but I'm, I've am i put my trust and my faith that uh, that GW and the playtesters uh have sort of looked at it holistically from all angles and we'll have a fairly sort of robust game, hopefully. I mean, not every army is going to be balanced. Not every army is going to be like every other army. Um, because none of you can't play Stormcast, it's just me. And I get all the toys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you after this last weekend and playing, uh, specifically playing the Nurgle, uh, so playing against Rose's Nurgle, where he was just like, Yo, I'ma shoot you with my magic, and I'm like, oh, that sucks. And he's like, how oh, I'm gonna buff my stuff with the magic. I'm like, oh, I can't do anything about that. Um, and then playing, and then playing Matty B, who's just like, yo, four zombie dragons, but you know what? They all take roids. So, so check this shit out. And then he buffed them all up, and not being able to defend magic. I mean, I've not been able to defend magic for for three years now. Um. But I, I felt like my army was very old this weekend. I'll tell you that. I was just thinking, fuck, just give me one spell or two spells to, or one binds even. I mean, I could take a variant, variant, variant. I can't even remember what it's called. The dumb guy that no one owns. Um, I could take him, but he has to be so close. So I'm looking forward to the Soul Wars box. Looking forward to having mages as, as battle line. Um, you know. Call me News Inch, call me Pink Horrors. We'll see what happens. Well, but nothing changes in the meta very quickly over here anyway, mainly because of cost. It's so it? expensive over here. Like when you, yeah. Oh, do we want to when talk about that? <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> that's one for another podcast. <laughs> we, we can um, blow some people's yeah, minds. Oh, we were like two and a half hours in. <laughs> uh, but it, that sort of has an effect. Things don't tend to change as quickly. You see, like in the UK and America, all these lists coming out and then our list seems to be made up of what we have already. What or, was slowly built. Uh, yes, that was yeah. it. Oh, yeah, so. I mean, there is people with the resource to go out and drop a couple of thousand and buy a brand new army um, and get it tabletop pretty quickly, as have seen in the past. Um, but but not everyone. No, it is more of a um, not an overnight sort of 
meter shift. You're right. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, we're, we're going to have Night Haunt and we're going to have Stormcast, and Night Haunt's going to be a brand new book, whereas Stormcast is going to be a brand new book. But I've still got like seven odd thousand points of Stormcast that I could use. Um, I probably just won't be able to use the sort of the new bullshit, which is going to have the whole gotcha moments because people aren't going to know the rules for it. So, I mean, my transition will be easier. Um, but yeah, I just won't have spellcasters probably. Yes, Cheerio. All right. So I think that wraps up the show, lads. So thanks for, thanks for offering you, uh, your Friday night. I'm sure we'd off, we'll either be off doing other stuff. Um, but that's it. And I hope to all the listeners out there, all four of you, you've enjoyed New Zealand's second best podcast. Um, it's going to keep going from strength to strength, hopefully. And um, I'm not too sure when the next show will be. Um, the next event is Warhost, as we've talked about. It's about sort of three to four weeks away. Uh, me and Lee are going. However, I don't know where Sean's going. But obviously, we've got lots of lots of AOS 2 in the middle. So if me and Sean can be bothered doing a show between now and then, um, I, I don't know. It'll be pretty open-ended. So probably not till uh, the next show. I, I would say we're going to... Definitely do one after Warhost. Recap AOS 2, recap what happened. Um, but that might not be until sort of early mid July. So, um, so we'll see what happens. You might get a, we might sort of slide into your DMs in between now and then, but we, we don't know. We're not going to commit to that because we're lazy bastards. Um, but however, that is it for us from now. Uh, so if you want to get a hold of myself, uh, Identity fluid Sean because I got stuck up <laughs> Sean this week. Uh, so my, the best place to get a hold of me, Twitter is at AOS Sean 89. Uh, so that's at OS Sean 89. Uh, post random stuff about AOS, some stuff about sports. Uh, but that's mainly it. Uh, my other two lads here are not on the internet because they live out of Wellington and they haven't got internet yet. <laughs> so yeah. Point. That's about it, guys. So, um, otherwise, Sean, thank you for coming on, mate. It's always a pleasure. And Lee, thank you for being the first guest. I hope you had a good time and a bit of an experience. Sweet. See you later. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping Duke? The hard, the hard. You never thought that hip hop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight because I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Ron G, Brucey B, Kick Capri. Funk Master Flex, Love Bug Star Ski. I'm blowing up like you thought I would. Call a crib, same number, same hood. It's all good. Uh. And if you don't know, now you know, you know. I made the change from a common thief to up close and personal with Robin Leach. Yeah. And I'm far from cheap. I smoke stuff with my peeps all day. Spread love, it's the Brooklyn way. The Moet and Alize keep me pissy. Girls 
used to diss me Now they write letters cause they miss me I never thought it could happen, this rapping stuff I was too used to packing gats and stuff Now honeys play me close like butter play toast From the Mississippi down to the East Coast Condos and queens in dough for weeks Sold out seats to hear Biggie Small speak Living life without fear Putting five carrots in my baby girl ear Lunches, brunches, interviews by the fool Considered a fool cause I dropped out of high school Stereotypes of a black male misunderstood And it's still all good, uh And if you don't know, now you know, you know, you know. Genesis. When I was dead broke, man, I couldn't picture this. 50 inch screen, money green, leather sofa. Got two rides, a limousine with the chauffeur. Phone bill about two G's flat. No need to worry, my accountant handles that. And my whole crew is lounging. Celebrating every day, no more public housing. Thinking back on my one room shack. Now my mom pimps a act with me on the back. And she loves to show me off, of course. Smiles every time my face is up in the source. We used to fuss when the landlord dissed us. No heat. Wonder why Christmas missed us. Birthdays was the worst days. Now we sip champagne when we thirsty. Uh, damn right, I like the life I live. Cause I went from negative to positive, and it's all. And if you don't know, now you know, you know, you know. And if you don't know, now you know, you know, you know. So, so, so. And if you don't know, now you know, you know. Let me beat down in the house. Junior Mafia, Mad Flavor. Huh? I see. Huh? Yeah. Alright.